Okay, so hear me out. We've all had some crazy shit happen to us in our lives, right? But those moments really define who you become when you grow up, if you decide to grow up. What we're going to do here is we're going to dive into the minds of our friends and ourselves and pluck apart those moments that changed our direction. I'm Jake, and this is Sean. Welcome to Mixed Nuts. Good morning, everybody. I'm Jake. I'm Sean. And welcome to Mixed Nuts. Uh, Today we're going to go ahead and dive into some of the things that made us us. We're going to go ahead and and sort of pick apart some things that happened in our pasts that changed our direction and moved us into the people that we became today. And the first thing that I want to talk to you about, Sean, we didn't do this last time because we, you know, had a... We had a little fluke uh, with sure. our with our first episode, but I want to talk about. I want to go straight into the crazy shit and talk about Utah. Okay, um, which I know was like a really big defining moment in your life that that sort of became, at least from a third party perspective, mm-hmm. sort of your your basis of morality and how you operate is is all based on stuff that you learned from or experienced there is that kind of right yeah that's 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 pretty close to the truth i'd say so what how did it occur what happened so uh in high school um i was a bad kid just doing lots of drugs not going to class you know just doing bad kid shit right and you know to to my dad's credit he he tried you know, lots of stuff to get me to to be better, and I just I just didn't. You right. know, so he he felt that he had no other option but to uh, s- seek out uh, alternative options. Sure. Um, and what he ended up settling on was what is called a wilderness therapy program. Uh, <clears throat> I went to one whose name I will not uh, specify. Um, but I went to that, to a wilderness therapy program. It's located in Mount Pleasant, Utah, which is a, here it is, there it went, kind of town. <laughs> the population five. Yeah, I shit you not, the whole town was a block. Oh my, not even, <laughs> they didn't even have a fucking traffic light, it's just like a stop sign. No, they had a traffic light. Was it a one traffic light town? Yep. 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 Those are my favorite kinds of towns, man. It was terrible, I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> But the the best part, so uh, I'm I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, so what happened was on November 21st of 2010, I believe. Uh, yeah, 2010. November 21st, 2010. I was uh, woken up at five in the morning by two strange men in my room. Uh, oh man! And they were like, "Hey!" I'm like, uh, "Hello." And uh, they were like, 
then my dad showed up, and I was like, oh, okay, thank God, at least we're not being robbed. Right. Um, and they were like, hey, your dad has signed you up for a wilderness therapy program in Utah for about a, a week or so, and uh, we're here to take you there. I'm like, oh, okay. You know, I'm still fucking half <laughs> like asleep. Half asleep trying to figure out what these people are saying. Yeah, exactly. And one of them in my half-asleep state looked exactly like my fucking shop teacher at, at, at my high school. Um, <laughs> and I had not gone to his class once in the entire year. <laughs> so, like, oh, fuck, he's here to get exact his revengeance or his vengeance on me. So I do believe that I said something along the lines of, I'm sorry, I'll go to your class. Because <laughs> <laughs> I thought that he had shown up at five in the morning to bitch at me about not going to his class oh, once man. in the entire school year. Um, so... They, uh, they, they showed up and, you know, they... They took me out of my room, and I was like, I gotta go to the bathroom. And they're like, all right, cool, you gotta leave the door open, and I'm gonna watch you the whole time. I'm like, bruh, I live on a second-floor apartment with no windows in the bathroom. Where the fuck do you think I'm gonna go? <laughs> I'm gonna crawl out of the fucking fan vent? Yeah, exactly. And he's like, well, it's just policy. I'm like, I really don't care about your policy, dude. I would like to take a shit in peace. Of course. <laughs> um, and so that all happened, and then... They, uh, they escorted me out of the apartment. Uh, there was, oh, there was a third person who materialized out of the shadows. Oh my god. And I will never forget his face because he looked exactly like Dr. Jonathan Crane from Batman. Holy which is shit. Scarecrow from Batman. Yeah. He looked exactly like Dr. Jonathan Crane, and I went, oh cool, I'm gonna die. I'm living a nightmare. Um, and there were the, these two big fucking burly dudes, and then the, the, the Dr. Crane motherfucker. Right. Um, and the two burly dudes stood on either side of me and held onto my jacket, and they escorted me down the stairs. They led me into a into a, a waiting parked car. Sure. Um, it, the one burly guy got into the driver's side, and then the other burly guy got in, and then the skinny guy got in, and then it was my turn to go in. Right. Um, and the first thing that I did when I entered the car was turn off the child locks. Smart. Because I was just, if I need to get out, I can. Right. Um, so I turned off the child locks. I mean, I did. I never did anything because where was I going to go? Right. You know, I thought about it. I thought about bailing out of the car and running to my friend, uh, to my friend's house. Sure. Because um, I knew that this particular friend would, would harbor me if I asked. But right. I was like, what, what am I going to do with my life after that, you know? Right. Are I can you, never you... go back to school. I can never go back to my apartment. Am I just going to be a fugitive for the next, you know, rest of my fucking life? Exactly. Um, so they put me in the car and they drove me to DIA. Right. And uh, when we went through DIA, they sat me down in the... where you buy your tickets. Mm -hmm. And the big burly dude looks at me and he goes... Alright, this is going to go one of two ways. Either you're going to sit down, shut up, and wait for me to buy the tickets, or you're going to sit down, get handcuffed to the chair, shut up, and wait me and wait for me to buy the tickets. Which is it going to be? I'm like, I'll sit down and shut up. Yep. And he's like, fantastic. Like, don't want to be in handcuffs. Yeah. And so he goes and he informs, you know, the, the, the airline personnel of what's happening, that he's transporting a, an at-risk youth. Right. Um, that, you know, hey... Here's all my documentation, all this shit. If this person, you know, starts screaming or whatever, it's not accurate. Here's the proof. Here's the consent forms, you know, all that shit. So right. that essentially so that I couldn't use 
airport security to get out of it. Right. Um, and we go through DIA, and it is the weirdest sensation in the world to go through an airport with no luggage, no wallet, no identification, nothing but the clothes on your back. That's That sounds really unnerving. It was terrifying. Like, cause because they wouldn't let me grab my wallet before I left at all. Right, so you were just... You were whoever the fuck they said you were. Exactly. Oh my god. I was entirely at their mercy, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and we get on the plane, and it is it is still one of the most surreal experiences ever, flying to a state that I didn't know where it was, I didn't know what I was doing, where I was going, um, with no luggage, no identification, nothing. Right. I was completely unknown. Right. Um... And I asked the guys, I was like, so about how long am I going to be here? You know, can you tell me that? And they're like, yeah, it should be just about a week. I'm like, all right, cool. I can do this for a week, you know? Um, And then, because I had a, uh, I had just purchased tickets for a Flogging Molly concert with my girlfriend at the time. Right. Um, And they were not cheap tickets. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, Flogging Uh, Molly is a great band. I'm sure those tickets were fucking expensive, especially for a high school kid. Yep. And it was at Red Rocks Front Row. Fuck, those are great tickets. Yep, I saved up a lot of money to buy those for Shit. us. Um, so I was like, cool, I'll still make it in time for the concert. That's right. fantastic. Right. You know. Um, and another thing, I wasn't allowed to have any contact with anyone. No one knew that I left. Right. You were just gone. Yeah. Just vanished. Um, but I was like, all right, cool, a week, that's not a problem. I'll come back, tell everybody what happened. Life will go back to normal. Right. Um, we depart, or we, we depart the plane in... Uh, at the Salt Lake City Airport. Right. And I'm handed off to uh, this family of okay. transporters. Sure. And it was a husband, a wife, an infant child, and a toddler. Weird. And I later realized that the reason that they brought the children with them is because they read my psych profile, which clearly stated that I wouldn't try Harm to endanger children. children. Yep. yep. Uh, that I have a problem with authority, but I will always make sure that the children are safe. God, that's that's some mind mind fucking shit. Oh yeah, that's 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 some head games war game shit. Oh yeah, oh that's that's the tamest of it too. Holy fuck! Yeah, so they uh, they they put me in the car and they're driving me to to throughout you know just through the state of Utah pretty much to get to this town called Mount Pleasant. Right. And I asked them, I was like, hey, uh, so about how long am I going to be here? And they're like, oh, it shouldn't be more than like two or three weeks. And I'm like okay, well, I was told a week. And they're like, well, yeah, they don't, you know, we don't tell them the exact time. You right. know, just because... then people get flighty. Exactly. And I was like, all right, that makes sense. Whatever, it's an extra two weeks from what I was told. That's fine. Sure. It's not going to be that big of a deal. Right. You know? Um, they drive me to this storage unit. And they're like, all right, come on, get out. And I was like, okay. And they fucking put up this little tent inside the storage unit. They hand me a big-ass empty Ziploc bag, the biggest Ziploc bag I've ever seen in my life. And they hand me another big-ass Ziploc bag with clothes in it. And they go, all right, we need you to take off your clothes, put them in the empty bag, and put these on. And I go, I don't really want to do that. And they're like, well, honestly, you don't have a choice. Right, you have to. We're not giving you an option. This is what you're doing, period. They're like, you know, you've been very cooperative this whole time. But we can't have you not do this. Right. Don't you make know? this the time that you decide to get wise. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I was like, 
alright, I only have one request then. They're like, alright, what is it? And I was like, I want to keep my hoodie. And they're like, alright, fine. You can leave the hoodie on, but everything else. I'm like, alright, fine. So I put everything else in the bag. I have my hoodie on. And I'm like, alright, here you go. And they're like, well, uh, we just got off the phone with the place that we're going, and they will not let you wear the hoodie, so we need you to take it off. I'm like, that was my one request. You said it was fine. I'm like, again, you don't have a choice. Right, it's not up It's not up to us. It's up to the place that you're yeah. going, which is still unnamed and unknown. Exactly. So I go, fine, whatever. You know, take off the hoodie. Um, and we go drive for several more hours out to a town called Mount Pleasant. Right. I'm like, okay, it's a little rinky-dink town, whatever, it's probably one of these buildings. Drive through the town. I'm like, okay, it's probably a farm or something, you know? Right. They want to, you know, keep the, the trouble, the quote-unquote bad kids out of the out of the town. Right, out of the fray. Yeah. We drive past all the farms. Like, oh, boy. Okay. We start driving up the actual mountain of Mount Pleasant. And I go, okay. No. And it got so bad, the road got so bad, that their little fucking minivan could no longer drive. It was unable to continue the rest of the journey. Jesus. So, they called the place that, again, I had no idea about. Right. A fucking ATV came down, dropped somebody off, and went back up the mountain. I was told, all right time to get out and I was like okay I get out and the guy's like hi I'm so and so from this wilderness program uh, we're just gonna have to have to hook, hoof it the rest of the way you got oh, your man. pack and everything I'm like what pack and they're like oh yeah sorry we forgot to tell you here's this 35 pound backpack oh my god and that's 35 pound almost empty holy shit yeah and I was like okay cool so I put that on my back and start walking up this mountain I'm talking to this guy, and this guy's super nice. I really wish I could remember what his name was, but I, I can't remember. But uh, he was this super nice guy, and he was super, super understanding. He's like, hey, you're the one that wanted to wear the hoodie, right? I'm like, yeah, that was all I wanted. He's like, I understand. For what it's worth, I told them that it should have been fine. He's like, it's a fucking jacket. Who cares? Right. You know, this is going to be the worst. And he's like, I'm not going to lie to you. This is going to be probably one of the worst experiences of your life. Oh, man. The least they could do is let you wear a fucking jacket. Yeah, at least you could be as comfortable. Yeah. And I was like, well, I appreciate that, and I appreciate the honesty, you know? Right. Um, so we hike up there, and we get to what's called base camp on the mountain. Okay. And base camp was dirt. That's it. Dirt. Just a field full of dirt. Oh, it wasn't even a field, dude. It was the side of a mountain. Oh, man the side of a mountain with dirt and this little fucking half-built lean-to. Oh, man. And that's what the shelter was that we all slept in. We had sleeping bags and whatnot. So, anyway, I stayed there for what ended up being uh, just about two months. Oh, my God. When I was originally told two or three weeks. Yep. Um, I will say, though, that I had... It, it actually turned out to be one of the most fun experiences out of Utah. Really? Oh, yeah. We got to go all over the state. I have I still want to go back to some of the places we visited. Like, the Escalante River is such a fun hike. Yeah. The Tri-Canyon hike is grueling, but it was so much fun to be done with it. 
Like, we went all over the state. We went to Arches National Park. We got to see one of the rarest sites that you can see there. Arches is fucking beautiful. Yeah. We, we drove through it at night when we when Leslie and I went down to fucking Arizona. Mm. Yeah, wish, I could, wish I could have seen it, but of course, you know, you're like trying to look. You, all you can see is like the silhouette of these yeah. giant things like placed against the, the backlight of the stars. So you kind of look, you kind of get what they look like, yeah. but you can't really tell. Yeah, man, it's it's a beautiful state park over there. And I got to see one of the rarest sites, according to the uh, the, the counselors, uh, which is Delicate Arch, which is the main one. Like, if you ever see a picture of an arch that says Utah, mm-hmm. that's Delicate Arch. Right. It's like their big arch that they have there. The, the, big, the big thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and Delicate Arch uh, with snow on it, because the way that it's situated, the snow melts like, like that. Right. Um, so I got to see it with snow on it, and it was a truly beautiful experience. God, that's incredible. Um, I got to go to what's called the Lava Tubes. Tubes. Which uh, are essentially this network of underground caves and tunnels that were created by lava. That's super fucking cool. Yeah, and uh, we went to what's colloquially known as the Glow Stick Cave, because there's this spot uh, that you can get to where it is so dark and naturally so dark that you put your hand directly in front of your face and you cannot see it. Oh my god. It is total darkness. Wow. Total, total blackness. And people, you know, like high school kids and stuff, go there, throw parties with a bunch of glow sticks, because it looks really cool with the glow sticks. Right. But part of the, the, the wilderness therapy was we would go there and we'd clean it up, and then we all just sat in the black darkness without saying anything for 20 minutes. Man, I bet that feels like forever when you're in that kind of crushing blackness. And I had a lot of realizations about myself. Sure. Other people did as well, and it is something that I would highly recommend people do if they are able. Right. Um, it was just, it was fantastic. But anyway, so, because this is already running long, so, uh, this story, <laughs> sorry. No, you're um, good. <laughs> We've got plenty of fucking time, man. Uh, so I've complete the wilderness therapy, and at this point I have... I'm so I was 17 when this happened. Right. And I completed my therapy about I'd say like maybe four, three or four months before my 18th birthday. Okay. Um, and I was told by by my mother that you know hey it's coming to an end. Right. Because we're not supposed you're not supposed to know when it's going to end. Right. That's, that's you're the just point. you're just there indefinitely until they send you home. Right. And that's the point, is that you're not supposed to know. Right. But my mother told me, hey, it's coming to an end soon. Right. So every day I was waiting. I was waiting for to be pulled aside and be told, hey. Because so what would happen is we'd all be at base camp on Monday. Right. And we would be told what our I, I, excuse me, our itinerary was for the, for the week. Sure. So, and that meant wherever we were traveling to. Right. Because the nice thing about my program, because a lot of programs you just which I learned later, uh, a lot of programs, you'll just hike in a circle right. around this mountain. Right. You know? I mean, it's a big circle, but still, that's all you're doing. Right. But mine was, we traveled and went other places in the state, and it was a lot of fun. So you got to see different things rather than just sitting around doing the same hike every single day for exactly. three months. Exactly. Well, that's nice, at least. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, 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 it definitely had its bright spots, you know? Right. Um... But so, 
on Monday, we would be told what our itinerary was, and then Tuesday is when we would set out, and then we'd come back on Monday. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so, whenever someone would leave, what would happen was the, the therapist for the group, because it was just a big-ass group of us. Right. And we, there were only two therapists for the entire group of, like, I think there were, like, 50 or 60 of us. Man, that's a, that's a big fucking group, man. Yeah. That's a big group. It was, I met some great people, though. They were, they were some awesome people. But, uh, so what would happen is the therapist would pull the kid, would, would tell the, the group what the itinerary was. Right. And then say, and Sean, you're staying here. And that's when you would know, holy shit, I'm going home. Right. So every Monday I would I was just waiting to be told, Sean, you're staying here. Didn't happen the Monday after I was told. It's fine. Another Monday goes by. That's fine. Another Monday goes by. Getting a little nervous. Right. Another Monday goes by. Because Monday were also our mail days. Sure. We were only allowed to communicate with our parents. Mm-hmm. And our parents. That's it. Right. Just... Just like immediate family, yeah. Um, so and it, it was always handwritten letters. We weren't allowed any technology. Um, so I, you know, they they give us our mail, and I got a letter from from my dad that said, "Hey, uh, you know, I just want you. I'm not supposed to tell you this, but I want you to know that uh, it's coming." Right. And I was like, "Oh shit, yeah." You know, it's coming soon now, because now my dad has told me. Right, so now it's now you can feel it. It's yeah. on the horizon. And then uh, the next Monday didn't happen. I'm like, it's okay, you know? Give it like a week or two after after dad tells me. Right. Um, and that Monday, I, you know, I'm talking with my friends and stuff at, in the group, and I was like, hey, I'm really worried that they're going to send me to a boarding school. You know? Sure. I, I, I want to go the fuck home. Like, I've worked on myself. I'm, I feel like I'm better... Right. I just want to go the fuck home. Right. And my friends were all hyping me up like, nah, man, they ain't going to send you that. You're like, you're almost 18, and at 18, you can leave a boarding school if you want. Why the fuck would they spend the money, you know? Right. Don't worry about it. You're going home, dude. They'll pat me on the back and shit. And then mail call happens, and I get a letter detailing the boarding school that I will be attending. Oh, shit. And I read it. Fold it up, set it down. I look to the to the uh, counselor and I go, "Can I uh, can I step away from the group for a little bit?" And they're like, yeah, just make sure that you're within earshot. Right. So, can do because what they would do is they'd they'd yell your name and then you would have to yell back. Yeah. So that they knew, all right, you're not like actively trying to escape. Because right. You're not just like running through the wilderness yeah. trying to get away from us. Exactly. Because I mean, good luck, kid. You're gonna die. Right. <laughs> yeah. Good fucking luck. Yeah, we're on the side of a mountain. <laughs> Have you ever heard of mountain lions? They will eat your entire face. Exactly. Also, uh, parts of the mountain were just sheer 90-degree drops. Oh, God. <laughs> and they came out of nowhere, so yep. you'd be running and just be like, oh, shit, I'm 300 feet above a fucucking drop, and I just took my last step of my life, and now I yep. have to watch myself die. Exactly. Yikes. Uh, so, you know, they were just staying here, so I'm like, all right, cool. So I step away from the group. And I was so pissed off and angry that I punched a tree down. Jesus Christ. And I'm, not, I'm assuming this isn't, like, a sapling. I mean, it wasn't, like, a full-ass tree. You didn't Paul Bunyan the motherfucker, yeah. but, but I'm sure it had some girth to yeah, it. Yeah, it was, it was a decent-sized tree, and I punched the tree down, 
And I walked back, and, you know, my fucking knuckles were all bleeding and yep. everything, and they're like, the fuck happened? And I looked at him, and I went, there's a tree over there that doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> <laughs> hey, remember tree number 385,267? Yeah, I fucked that bitch to death. <laughs> and, uh... They were like, oh, shit, okay, do you want to talk about it? And I'm like, not at all. And I threw the letter in the fire. Oh, man. And I was like, I'm just going to wait. So I waited, and the day came, and we go, my parents, I, I get driven to the uh, to the program's uh, headquarters. Right. Um, and we, uh, you know, my, my dad is there, and I get into his car, and we're driving to the, to the place, and he was like, hey, you know, you want a cheeseburger or something? I'm like, yeah, actually, some, some food would be real nice because I've just been eating weird fucking trail mix, like, non-perishable shit. Right. I would really like, like, a McDonald's cheeseburger. Exactly. So we went and we got some cheese. I think it actually was McDonald's. We got some McDonald's cheeseburgers and, you know, had a good time. We played a little golf. Right. Because, uh, like, I had, like, two or three days. Or, no, it was two days with my dad. Um before we had to drive to the to the boarding school and uh <clears throat> so you know we played some golf we hung out stuff like Kinda that kind of had some sense of normalcy like exactly. what the real world looks like after being not trapped but being away from reality exactly in a different sort of parallel universe kind of feel right mm-hmm. um and i had my phone my dad gave me my phone nice and uh, my mother was also there uh, for part of it. Sure. And she was like, yeah, no, uh, you know, I, I think that what's going to happen is we just need you to earn enough credits at this boarding school to catch back up with where you would be had you not left Heritage. Sure. And then you'll go back for senior year. Right, I'm which like, would make perfect sense. Yeah, and I'm like, fantastic. I can do this. Right. One thousand percent I can do this. Right. Like, on board, let's do this, let's rock this out and like. 10 days. Right. You know, like, you will see me study harder than anyone has ever studied before. Right. I will get an entire semester of work done in three hours if I have if to. If I fucking have to. Yeah. We'll study so hard. Exactly. Um, and so I put out a Facebook status that uh, I think I may have since deleted because I, it's just not worth holding on to anymore. But sure. It was something along the lines of, I'm off to Cedar Ridge, or to a boarding school um, in Utah for the remainder of junior year. I will see everyone soon, senior year. Right. And I put that out, and, you know, everyone was like, oh, awesome, yeah. We're looking forward to seeing you in, yeah. you know, a month or so, or, or three or four months. Yeah, exactly, you know, because it was around the time that summer break would be starting, so it's like, all right, cool, you know, he'll be gone for summer, and then he'll be back right. for the for the end of high school. Right. Awesome, you know, we can deal with that. At least now we know that he's not dead. Right. And I'm assuming, based on your tone, that that's not at all what happened. No, it is not. Yeah, uh, yeah my, uh, I forget who found out about the post that I made, but they weren't the happiest yeah. about it. Yeah, I would assume so. I mean, especially when, like, there's a level of certainty and trust that you expect from people who you're close to, you know, friends and family, and if right. they say that hey, you know, you're going to be back for your senior year of high school, or at least that's what the plan is, yeah. you kind of expect that to be mostly true. Exactly. Like, even if it's like, cool, you get to graduate from, from Heritage versus graduate yeah. from this other place. 
but I'm kind of starting to guess that maybe <laughs> that wasn't true either. Yeah, so what ended up happening is uh, I was told when I got to that boarding school, I was told, hey, um, so I don't know why you made that Facebook status, because that's not at all what's happening. Oh, boy. Um, the plan is for you to get your high school diploma from here. And I looked my father in the eye, I looked the school manager in the eye, and I said, I abjectly refuse. Man. I was like, look, you know what? I'll make a compromise. I even offered a compromise. I go, tell you what, if I get all my high school credits here, I want to be guaranteed that I can go home and walk across the stage with all of my classmates at Heritage and receive a diploma that says Heritage motherfucking high school on it. Man. And they were like, well, you know, I don't know. And I'm like, well, then I'm not going to do any schoolwork. So I did not. I was on academic probation almost my entire time there. Holy shit. Because I, I, I was protesting. Right. I was like, an, an abject, abject refusal yeah. of a very decent compromise. Yeah. I was like, this is not how my life is going to happen. Right. I refuse. And every week, the school manager would pull me into his office and be like, hey, you going to do some schoolwork? And I'm like, no. hey, you going to let me walk across the stage with my friends at Heritage? Sean, you know I can't do that. Then you know I can't do no schoolwork. I haven't forgotten about our, our very very simple compromise. Yeah. And that, like, to me as a third party, that seems like something that would be easy to achieve, you know? The last thing that seems out of this realm would be like, cool, I'll do all my schoolwork if, like, you let me walk across the stage, get my credits here, I'll walk across the stage with my friends. That doesn't seem too far out of the realm of reality. That's what I thought, too. And apparently... Apparently it was. And, uh, so... So the, the boarding school is what really made me get a lot of the, the things that I, that I do now and how I act now. Right. Because, uh, I mean, you're aware I'm pretty good at, at declining when, when I don't want to do something. Right. You know, like if someone tells me, hey, you should go do this and I don't want to do it, it does not matter. I will not do it. Right. And that's something that I picked up there. Right. Was, no, I abjectly refuse. Right. Like I, sort of right, first right of refusal. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um. And uh, a lot of the the way that I dress comes from there as well. Because when I was there, you weren't allowed to wear anything of your own from the waist up. Gotcha. It was a, it was a waist up uniform. Right. <clears throat> and they were always very, you know, well, that's because, you know, a lot of you wear stuff with skulls on it. Or that's more like dark and stuff like that. Or darker colors. Right. And as you know, that's like almost all I wear is dark colors. Right. And that's because... Yeah, that's who I am. I'm sorry that you don't agree with it. That's not my problem. Right. I mean, both of us actually wear a lot of dark colors. Exactly, but yeah. I've 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 seen you wear a white shirt. Like even when we were living together, I saw you wear a white shirt maybe once on purpose. Like it it doesn't happen frequently enough for like it to be considered. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a non it's like a non issue. It's like what color like if somebody stopped me on the street and said, what colors do Sha- does Sean normally wear? I'd be like, oh, he wears grays and blacks. Yeah. Which is, in all fairness, pretty much what I wear, too. Right. But I, I kind of get what they mean by, like, you guys wear dark colors. That, that would bring the mood down. Which yeah. It doesn't. No, not at all. But Especially when they were the ones bringing the mood down themselves. So right. Every, every week at the boarding school, we would have what was called a big group. Okay. Where the owner of the place 
would bring the entire school together, which was segregated, mind you, along gender lines. Oh, wow. Yeah, so there were two boys' houses and one girls' house. Okay. Um, and the two boys' houses were divided on what was called the level system. You had four, five, six, seven, eight, and 900 levels. Okay. Um, and you had, there was a whole process that doesn't really matter, so I won't get into it to level up. Sure. But the higher level you were, the more privileges you got, essentially. Right. Um, I never made it above six. <laughs> uh, because I was not allowing their program to brainwash me. Right. Because that's what it was. Every Monday, what the big group was, was the owner of the place sitting there and saying, uh, you know, all of your friends that you have, garbage. They all hate you. They won't, which, as you know, I'm very terrified of that to this day. Right, which I'm assuming is a reaction to that sort of stuff. Exactly. Yep. Because every single week for two years I was there. Two years. Every week. more Multiple times a week. Right. I would be told that all of my friends had forgotten about me, didn't care about me. I was dead to everyone I knew. Nothing mattered. My previous life was all a lie. No one cared about me. Man, that's some tough shit to hear. Yeah. Like, even as just a like a thought experiment, like, even as, like, sitting here, like, across from you, just hearing those words in my ears, like, holy shit, I can't imagine hearing that for two years. I would be, I would, I would be not okay. Yeah. Yeah, no, holy it was... Holy shit. And so I got a couple home passes, thankfully, because my, my parents campaigned for it, because you're not supposed to get home passes unless you're on level 7 or above. Right. But my parents were like, yeah, no, you guys can fuck all the way off. We'd like to see our goddamn kid. Right. <laughs> this isn't prison. Yeah. We get to see our child. Fuck you. Yeah, exactly. They're like, we know that you guys are running it like a prison, but uh, we still have final say, motherfuckers. Right. So thankfully I got some home passes, and that that is one of the most surreal experiences I've ever had. Because in those two two years and two months that I was in Utah, time stood still for me. Right. Time was not real at all. Right. When I came home on my first home pass, right. the way that it felt to me was that I had left on November 21st at 5 in the morning, mm -hmm. and I was coming back on November 22nd at 5 in the morning. Right. Like, those that, that giant chunk of time had been removed exactly. from the real world. Exactly. Um, and when I came back, it was a completely fractured environment. Right. Um... The friend group that I had, because, I mean, everyone had graduated already, pretty much. Right. Or was in the process of. Sure. Um, the, the friend group that I had had completely splintered. No one was talking to each other. No one was friends with each other. And it was chaos. Right. Uh, so you'd want to get your old crew back together while you were at home for three days, and it was impossible. Exactly. Jesus. Um, and my girlfriend that I had when I left had moved on because as far as she knew I was fucking dead right she had no idea no I, earthly idea where yeah. you might have been on the world if you were even still alive exactly um so she had moved on and I found that out and that was that was a heartbreaking thing sure you know cause like I said time had not moved for me at all um right it had it had it had stayed still yeah for you it was it was 
you left one day and came back the next versus for everybody else you had left and a whole chunk of time had passed exactly and then you shoot you would show up out of the blue exactly holy shit um and like even just driving through town like driving through littleton there were buildings that had been demolished and rebuilt as new ones there were vacant lots that now had things in them right it was a completely alien world that i came back to right and that fucked me up. Yeah, it's like when you... It, it, a smaller scale, but it's like... Like when I go and see my parents from my apartment in Golden, when I come back into Littleton, and I'm like, where the fuck did all these apartment buildings come from? Where this used to be a King Supers, and now it's a hole in the ground. Exactly. Like, what the fuck? And it's, it's super weird, because I did that the other day. I went and saw them for dinner, and... Like, the house next door is painted different, and it's just like little things like that... Yeah. ...that make it feel... Like you're not even in reality anymore. It makes it feel like you've you've exited some sort of weird extra timeline, and right. now you're living in this weird alternate dimension where things are just a little bit different. Yeah, that's fucking weird, man. Yeah, and uh, I went back to the school, and you know, they my friends at the school were asking me like, "Hey, so how was it?" I was like, "I don't know." Yeah, I have no idea what I came back to. Sure, it's not what I left. That's for damn sure. Right. And it was just so utterly bizarre. Right. Um, and so, like, I, 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 I just, it was, it was weird. That's the only way I can describe it. Right. It was just weird. Um, let's see, another thing that happened to me there that informed who I am now was, like, so they used, and they have been sued for this, actually, I found out. Oh. Several times. They used legitimate, actual psychological warfare techniques on the students. What the fuck? In order to break them and remake their version of what people should be. It was like a break you down and build you up thing. Exactly. The problem with that is that most people get broken down but don't get built back up. Yeah. <laughs> so what I did was, in order to survive, I built these walls around myself. Right. You know, like, I never let them see who I really was. Right, you you let them see a version of you that they right. would deem acceptable. Right. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, sometimes it just feels like like those walls never came down. Right. You know, and there's this there's this me that's still stuck on November 21st, 2010. Right. And there's no way that I could ever let that out because I've gone through too much since then. Right. It wouldn't survive. Exactly. But just that feeling that, like, there's something that isn't the rest of me, you know? And it's right. because of that place's psychological warfare tactics that they used. Sure. Um, they used hypnotherapy a lot. Interesting. Um, or at least attempted. Right. Uh, they used uh, reward system essentially like with their level system right like you would if you were a 400 you got very little if you were a 900 yeah. you could do whatever you wanted exactly mm -hmm. um and then i'll never forget one thing that happened when i turned 18 so when i was when i first got there right uh there were three boys houses okay one of which was considered the non-therapeutic boarding school okay um which was essentially just a normal ass school kids could wear their normal fucking clothes they could right. walk around wherever the hell they wanted sure um, you know, they, they were allowed to go to the store, like, staff would drive them to the store and drive them in town and shit, because, I mean, we weren't allowed our own cars. Right. But you could be like, hey, I'd like to go to the store, and they'd be like, all right, let me find a day that works for me. Right. We'll get together, I'll take you to the store, buy whatever the hell you want. Sure. You know? Um, 
So the the rule was when you hit level eight, you were allowed, if you wanted to, you were allowed to move to the non-therapeutic side, or if you turned eighteen, you had to move to the non-therapeutic side because of Utah law. Sure, um, doesn't allow a therapeutic boarding school to have uh, minor or people who aren't minors. Correct. Gotcha. <clears throat> uh, if you age out, you know, like sure. Uh, especially if they have that option. If you age out, you have to move to their non-therapeutic option. That's just what the law is. Right. So the weekend, or two weekends before I turned 18, I went on a tour of the non-therapeutic side, which is like a, hey, this is how life is up here. You know, try to get you a little bit used to it because it's a lot less rules. It's much more A lot less structure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, get to know the the people that you'll be living with. Sure. You know, kind of find your role, figure out what to do. Yeah. and it was really fun. You know, I had a great time. Right. And then the weekend bef- and then uh, the weekend of my 18th birthday, the owner of the place, or no, the, the weekend before my 18th, because I was supposed to move up uh, that Monday. Sure. Um, the weekend before my 18th, I went to bed being like, all right, hell yeah, tomorrow I'm packing up my stuff, moving it up to the non-therapeutic side. Right. I get my phone again. I get contact with the outside world right. again get spending money again yeah. and i get all sorts of shit again yeah i get to be a person again instead of a number right which is yeah which would i'm assuming be a really great feeling exactly um and so uh i i wake up that sunday mm-hmm. to uh all of the so there were three other people in the non-therapeutic side. Sure. When I was set to move up. Right. And they were all walking all their stuff down from the non-therapeutic side to our to our house. Sure. Putting it in a room mm-hmm. that was labeled the non-therapeutic room. Right. And I went, what the hell's happening? They were like, oh, uh, the owner decided to close the non-therapeutic side. There weren't enough people. So, like, okay, whatever. I'll just move into a new room. Whatever. I still get the freedoms. Right. You know? And he goes... And then uh, my therapist pulls me aside and goes, all right, I got to tell you something. I'm like, what? He's closed it. I'm like, I know. I'm just moving into a new room. He's like, no. Oh, fuck. It's done. As soon as those kids complete, you know, their contracted time here, it's done. Right. You're not moving anywhere. You're not doing anything. You're the same. Just 18. And I went, what? Jesus Christ. So rather than it being this, like, this wonderful sort of, uh, I mean, because 18 is like a really big age. Yeah. I mean, rather than having some sort of, even if it was just a small fanfare, it was just DOA. Yeah. You just got nothing. And I'll... Fuck, dude. I'll never forget when I turned 18, I had my birthday there, and it's the worst birthday I've ever had in my life. Oh, I'm sure. Um, and... <laughs> We, we had uh, what was called family at the end of the night. Sure. At the end of the day where the whole home gets together and you, you know, you, you, you tell what your day was and all that shit. And, you know, you can kind of air out some grievances if you have any. Sure. And I was like, yeah, I got, I got a grievance. And I'm like, why? What's up? I'm like, well, you know, I mean, I turned 18 and I'm here. And right. It, it fucking sucks. Right. Nothing changed. Yeah. And everyone was, you know, like, hey, come on, man. You got it. You know, you got a whole year to be 18, you know, you're probably going to leave here soon. They're hyping me up, you know. And I right. Was like, yeah, you know what? I am feeling pretty all right. And one of the kids from the fucking corner of the room speaks up and he goes, You might have all year to be 18. You only got one day to t- 
turn 18. Oh my god. And I was like, huh, fantastic. Great. Yeah. Super excited about that. <laughs> it's like, awesome. Yeah, no, I definitely don't feel like trash now. Thanks for that, homie. Right. Um, and yeah, that's that's kind of like the as most of a condensed version of that as I can, I can give. Well, and as like a third party, I can tell you that that knowing the full story mm-hmm. really shines a lot of light on who you've become. Because you know, you and I have only been friends for what, like, four or five years, something like that? Three, four years, something like that? But, I mean, I remember at first when I met you, I was like, man, this dude's, like, reserved, he's kind of quiet, he's kind of weird, he stands with his hands in his pockets a lot, he's pretty defensive. (laughs) Um, And, of course, we we both have a mutual friend, and I was talking to our mutual friend, and I was like, you know, like, what's what's Sean's deal? Mm -hmm. You know, And, and he sort of, he gave me enough information that when I learned the rest of the story, um... It made sense. Yeah. And that's like, that's my whole deal is like, I want to know what makes people tick. Yeah. Because I, I want to make sure that our friendship is comfortable. Right. You know, I don't, I don't want to be like that guy who shows up to a party with somebody whose dad is in jail <laughs> and, you know, makes some sort of fucking prison and life joke because all that's going to do is make their life harder. Yeah. And I feel like not a lot of people consider. Uh, just even general mannerisms nowadays, or general manners, you know? Like, I've been considering for a long time what sort of is going on in the world uh-huh. and sort of how people are conducting themselves and, and presenting themselves and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But back when I was a kid, being nice and having good manners was all you really needed. Yeah. I mean, you could be as crazy as you wanted to be, but if you picked up the phone and said, hello, this is Jake, how may I help you? Or, you know, if you picked up the family phone and said, thank you for calling the Myra residence, this is Jake, how can I, you know, is there? would you like to speak with my mother or whatever? Right. If you had good manners, that took you as far as you needed to go. That helped you develop your own personality and your own, uh, your own version of the world. If you just weren't a dick. That's what my folks told me when I was like nine years old. They sat me down and they were like, look, don't be an asshole. Yeah. That's it. That's all you need to know. That's all you need to learn is don't be a dick. And uh, I I guess sort of as a follow-up question, do you feel like uh, the place that you went to, do you feel like it kind of robbed you of that or did it help? I think... I think that it's it's a little column A, little column B, to sure. be perfectly honest. Yeah. Because, you know, one thing that I learned there, because, you know, there was a time where I wanted to just do what I was asked. Right. You know, just to get the hell out, and that didn't work either. Sure. So that taught me, if you want something, you're going to have to make it happen. Right. There is no... There, there are no handouts. Right. You've got to like, be your own version of it. And being nice... Mm-hmm. You know, yes, it's important, and you should be nice as often and as much as you can. Mm-hmm. However, there's a limit. Yeah, which I learned there. Is yeah, that at a certain point, niceties have to stop, and you just have to be. put your foot down mm-hmm. and just demand. Right, and that's that's a huge thing in today's day and age. I feel like a lot of folks, and you can correct me if you feel differently, but I feel like a lot of folks are are more concerned with being nice 
than they are with being themselves. Yeah. Like, and I know I have a problem with this. I don't want to hurt people's feelings. Right. Fuck, I'm, I'm like, terrified of getting into altercations with people. But even recently, I've realized, like, and I know this this is not the same thing at <laughs> all. I'm going to preface this, but no it's not the same thing at all. But, like, at work, um, you know, I, I work on pianos and I mm-hmm. have my shit. And everybody else has their shit. And we all do our jobs with our shit. And there is shop stuff, and there is your stuff, and his stuff, and whatnot. And uh, one of my coworkers came in and stole, like, a $100 box of sandpaper. Oh, damn. Which, like, you wouldn't think is a big fucking deal, right? But it's not $100 of the company's money that I spend. It was $100 of my money. Right. And he took everything. He took the whole box and used every piece. And he didn't know how to use the shit. It's, it's silicate carbide, and it's on the back of a cloth. Mm. So it lasts literally forever. I mean, I would you go through a box maybe once a year. Yeah. It'll last you forever. And he went through a box in, in a day. Yeah. Um, and normally I would have been like, hey, you know, don't do that in the future. Like, maybe <laughs> if you could give me a hundred bucks whenever or buy me. An-. And I went in and I was like, look here, motherfucker. I spent a hundred bucks of my own fucking money. Yeah. And you're gonna you're gonna fucking give me another box of this shit. Right. I put my foot down, and having that stance where you are able to f- not forcibly, but you're able to stand your ground, is sort of what I feel is is missing in a lot of things. Me too. Mm-hmm. You, like you got to be able to stand up for what you believe. Because otherwise, you, it's that it's that old adage: if you don't, if you if you won't fall for something, you'll fall for anything, or something like that. You know, if if, if you, you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. Yeah. Yep, and that's true. Like you got to have what makes you you, and you got to stick to that. Otherwise, every single person who you meet is going to change your core personality. Exactly, exactly. And that's that's a huge problem uh, that I've had. Because uh, you know, I my my personality is very empathetic. It's very uh, it's very wishy washy. Like the only things that I really care about are like uh, quality time with my with my wife and my friends, and uh, being able to like pause for a moment and do some deep thinking. That's yeah. really it. So if somebody comes in and they've got a bigger personality than me, I adapt that, and I've started realizing recently, even within the last like. 24, 48 hours, because we went out last night and hung out with a bunch of uh, friends from my wife's work. A mm-hmm. bunch of really, really cool dudes. Yeah. And I realized that when I was being my own person was when I was the most comfortable. And that's where a lot of that social anxiety kicks in, is I was used to being somebody who was trying to fit the mold. I was trying to fit the place that I was. I was right. trying to fit in at the party, or I was trying to fit in at the school, or I was trying to fit in with the family. And, uh, I mean, like, I, I don't know about your family, but my family's big. Yeah. And, uh, like, two or three people in my family I refuse to contact or do anything, deal anything with. Mm-hmm. I, I have an entire side of my family like that. Right. And I feel like once you learn that just because they're family or just because they're friends or just because they did something for you once doesn't mean you owe them anything, you grow so many levels almost instantly yeah for sure so what we're gonna do here real quick is we are going to take a short little ad break at like the 52 minute mark and we will return very shortly with more mixed nuts 
All right, we are back. Yes. <laughs> yes, we are. After a short... Yeah, by the way, when I say ad break, uh, if you listen to this and have a product that you you want to plug, uh, send us an email at mixnutsofficialpodcast at gmail.com. Or, uh, you know, I, homing... I think that's the wrong email, homie. Uh, mixed Nuts Podcast Official, official so. Podcast. What is it? Mixed hold, Nuts. Hold on, hold, hold on, stop. You could also you do a, a homing pigeon. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I What else could we do? You could just... Uh, I, hold on, hold on. It's it's uh, it's Mixed Nuts Podcast Official at gmail.com. Right. Or if you just want to, like, throw a brick through somebody's window and yep. hope that it's ours. Yep, that would also work. Yep. Uh, you could attach a note to a to a hot air balloon yep. and then send it into space, and we'll probably get it eventually. Yep. You uh, know. Trebuchets. Yep, trebuchets are always a good one. Trained monkeys. Mm-hmm. Untrained monkeys. Yeah, Actually, I prefer them untrained. Yeah. You know, it's, when you get a trained monkey, it's just like, cool, you're just a, a person. You're just a dude that can't talk. But an untrained <laughs> monkey is like... Yeah, you're going to hand me this note, but you might also try to eat my face and fling some poop at me. <laughs> it's just there's a level of mystery and excitement that goes with it that I'm really about. <laughs> All righty. Well, now that we got that out of our system, uh, what's what's next up on our docket there, Dr. Sean? Bro, I am the farthest thing from a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Not even remotely close to a doctor. Uh, I have a, a, a sister of mine that just... Um, Oh, who did she graduate from? Yeah, she just graduated from grad school with like a med degree. Oh, nice! And she's like, "What the fuck do I do now? <laughs> like, I've spent like sixteen or twenty years in school, uh-huh. and now I have to like go do a practical with a person in an office and like work on people, which I'm used to doing because that's what part of med school is. But like, how how do I do that? <laughs> you know, that's like." That's why I dropped out of college, man. Yeah. Was because there was just no, there was no way for me to get the job that I wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, I went to ASU. That's right. why I'm getting this tattoo covered up. <laughs> for those of you who don't know me, I, I have a, a ASU pitchfork uh, on my left forearm, and I got it covered up by uh, like two really, really beautiful Japanese-style sparrows with, uh, with like, you know, tree branches and. Uh, cherry blossoms and what I said. It's absolutely beautifully well done. It's Looks by, real nice. Yeah, it's by a guy named Bryce down at uh, Art with Heart. So if you need, you know, any cover ups or any new tattoos, go go check out Bryce. He's he's done all my wife's work or most of my wife's work. He's done two or three tattoos on me. Dude's just he's super cool. Um, but I was even talking to him about this. Like, I went to ASU for music education, mm-hmm. and music education is like a weird. It's a weird, it's a weird thing. Right. So you have to go through both music school and education school in conjunction with each other. Mm-hmm. So you know, on Mondays you're you're learning about music theory and about about stuff that they're teaching you, so you have the knowledge. And then you know, Tuesdays and Thursdays you're going to learn how to teach that stuff to other people. So basically, what it is, you're getting taught how to be a salesperson. Right. You're getting taught how to be a middleman, which is fucking weird when you look at it. You're <laughs> yeah. like, why don't you just take a pay cut and go do this for other people? Because you're clearly smart enough. But like these these professors who have tenure and stuff. I mean, literally, one of my professors at a at ASU had tenure so well that he like he was so tenured that 
he would show up drunk to class. <laughs> he, he crashed his car into the into the uh, fucking like campus school buses that would drive people around to different campuses, uh-huh. and all he got was a slap on the wrist. I mean, just just fucking crazy shit. Um, but so I got through some of my schooling at ASU. Pause for a cigarette. Hold on. So I got through some of my uh, schooling at ASU, and I went and did a, a student teaching thing uh, down at one of the local high schools down there, which was a blast. Right. Uh, I mean, that was, like, for me, more fun than human beings deserve to have. And I mean that. Usually I say that facetiously, but this time I mean it in reality. Yeah. Uh, it was a blast, man. Um, I got to, like, teach kids. I got to, like, do something that I was super passionate about. Um, and what ended up coming from it was nothing mm-hmm. because in order to get from where you are as a student teacher to the owner of your own program or your own teacher there there's no schooling that teaches you what that process looks like you're right. at the mercy of whatever school district you go to um so about a year and a half in um well actually this this leads really well into one of one of my deeper darker stories that kind of you know put me into where i'm at good um, oh that sounds really terrible <laughs> it's not what i meant. i'm glad you suffered <laughs> <laughs> no it actually like that's that's i'm actually kind of glad that i did um so towards the end of my time at asu uh, so I, I got to asu and uh do you know what like i think it's called the Bechel test i've heard of it yeah. it's like it's like in cinema like um if there has to be a certain amount of time of two female characters talking about anything that's not a guy, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm the opposite of that. (laughs) Like, I am the opposite Bechamel test. I I am just a dude who, like, talks about the women and the experiences in his life. Like, because that's, that's, like, where a lot of my my teaching moments came. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I moved to ASU, and I was dating this girl in high school, and the plan was uh, I was going to move down there, spend a year there, uh, get a job, get an, uh, an apartment or a condo or something, because shit's real cheap down there. Oh, yeah. Um, well, because it's the surface of the sun. Right. It's it's just a <laughs> monument to man's arrogance. <laughs> like, somebody went to Phoenix and was like, I'm going to build a city here because fuck you, God. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I went down there, and that was kind of the plan. Um, and then she actually ended up cheating on me with oh, my sure. best friend at the time. Oh. Um, so I was just in a, in a strange city, in a totally different state, um, with with no friends um the only friends that i had were in marching band because that was like the thing that i did yeah, and weren't we actually living in arizona at the same time yeah i think we actually were um yeah. when i look because i was down there like 2012 to like mid 2013 ish yep yep mm-hmm. yeah because i was i was there during 2013 at, at the very least 2013 to 2014 i forget exactly what year we, i moved we down probably there. had like a venn diagram overlap yeah so um i was i was in this strange place and i got to be friends with i mean the asu band is like it's like 550 people yeah i mean it's a fuck load of people <laughs> so like i just showed up one day and was like in the pit um which is like all the synthesizers and you know marimbas and shit up front mm-hmm. um and I just started making friends there. I started hanging out with them on a weekly basis, and, and, and it went over pretty well. And then I met um, through the music program and through a, a friend of mine in marching band. I met this other girl who I was interested in. And we would do stuff together every now and again. But she had a friend who I ended up dating. 
And so I went through uh, all this time with, uh, you know, music school and music college and, and, and kind of trying to figure out, um, like, what my next step was. All, right. of, all the while, I'm also trying to figure out the romantic side of my life. Um, so this, this person, I should have caught this red flag at the very beginning. Um, like, I had to convince her to date me. Mm. Um, and it took like like three or four weeks. Yeah. Um, and to be fair, she had been through some shit where she was not very trusting. So mm-hmm. um, it made sense. And I was like, look, I'm not going to be that kind of dude. I'm not going to fucking ruin your life. Like, I'm just here to be I'm like, I'm just like crazy about you. So I want to be in your life. Right. Um, so that happened uh, like end of my freshman year. And then there was summer break and I moved back to Colorado to get a job to get some money because I was plum fucking broke. Right. Um, and she called me up one day while I was working at my job and she was on a, a tour of uh, a bunch of European countries. Like, you know, she went to Prague, she went to oh, France, nice. she went to, she, and she was originally from France, so like, and she had family over there and shit. Oh, um, but she was in Iceland and she met this kid oh, and, boy. uh, like she called me and she was like yeah if he asked me to marry him i would do it immediately oh shit and i was like well i'm willing to to be pretty open about this like what what should we do mm-hmm. and she goes um like i don't think this relationship is working out and i've already slept with him oh she had well. known him so I, I had to convince her to date me for like two weeks right mm-hmm. this kid had known her for like 17 hours Oh, shit. Which, like, was a big fucking hit to my ego, right? Right. But, so I got through the summer, and it was fine. I mean, I, I, I healed pretty quickly from that. I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Whatever. Um, and then she hit me up on my, my last day in Colorado, and she was like, hey, I'm trying to find a ride to my dorm, um, or a ride to my apartment from the airport, from Phoenix Sky Harbor. Uh-huh. Um, and no one will give me a ride is there a chance that i could get you to give me a ride and i was like i love you yes like <laughs> I, I jumped on that opportunity so quickly and of course that immediately just opened up the toxic relationship again we started dating yeah um but what ended up happening was i got through the last little bit and i had i'd been meeting with my academic advisor um and she was like uh you know we're gonna grandfather people into this new program uh-huh. and we're only doing like 60 percent and you're not one of those people, Oof. which means you have to start all the way back at the beginning. All of your credits are now moot, oh, um, shit. which feels at this time. Now that I'm saying it out loud, uh, that feels illegal. You I know? feel like it is. Yeah. But so I was like, you know what? I don't want to spend sixty four thousand dollars a year to go back to square fucking one. Right. So I was trying to figure out what was going on, but I really liked this girl. So I was kind of willing to sort of play my cards, maybe change my major, mm-hmm. uh, use my credits towards something else. Cause I could have gone into like a pedagogy major or performance major or a, a, a music writing or songwriting major. And it would have been just fine. It would have been on track. Um, but this, this, this woman had, I, I don't want to use the crazy ex story. Uh-huh. You know, I don't want to say she was a crazy ex, um, but she thought that I was taking up too much of her time uh, and she couldn't go and see her family because I was too needy. Okay. So her response to that was she called her father, who lived in the time down in Texas, mm-hmm. um, and told her that 
or, or told him that I had sexually assaulted her. Oh, shit. Which, people know me. That's not... I'm, like, super, super against that shit. Yeah. Like, one of my, uh, I, you know, ever since I got married, one of my, uh, like, there's there's people in the, in the Denver punk scene who are, like, abusers and sexual yeah. assaulters, and I'll, like, I'll go to gigs and kick them out, man. Yeah. I don't stand for that shit. If you're an abuser, if you're somebody who has done that to someone, you don't get that opportunity. Exactly. You don't get to go have fun. <laughs> you get to stay at home and be a piece of shit. Yeah, fuck, no, exactly. Fuck you if you do that shit. Like, um, and I'm like super crazy against. It. I always have been, because mm-hmm. um, I was taken advantage of uh, by a woman when I was in uh, my freshman year of college. Right. So I'm super against that shit. So um, she calls her dad. Her dad calls me, and I'm like during all this shit that's happening, I had I had been applying to Colorado colleges. Because I was like, I want to keep going through this thing just to kind of see it out. Yeah. But I also don't want to go back to square one. Right. So I gotten accepted to uh, Metro State, which is in, like, downtown Denver. It's, mm. like, on that big three-college campus. That's where like, I used to go. Yeah, actually. CU Denver, Metro, and, and Colorado Community College. Um, and uh, her father called me and said, you have 24 hours to get out of the state of Arizona I'm on my way. If you're still at your apartment and I know where you live, I'm going to knock your fucking door down. I'm going to put a shotgun to your head. And I'm going to fucking kill you. Oh, shit. Um, and this is the woman that, 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 that crazy story with the Indian reservation. Oh, yeah, yep, yeah, yeah. Um, Which I think is a, a, a story for a different time. Okay. Um, but this is that same person. Gotcha. Um, so I packed up all my shit and I fucking left. Mm-hmm. I fucking left. Um, my ac- I called my parents and they uh, they drove down and we packed up all my shit and we uh, subletted out my room to another person mm-hmm. and I got the fuck out of there. Right. I wasn't going to take that fucking chance. No way. No, fuck that. So I got back up here. I got a job at Bed Bath Beyond, which uh, was the worst experience of my <laughs> life. I'm not saying that it's a bad company, but it wasn't a good fit for me. Right. Um, and I kept going to college, and I changed my major. I got into a different university. I got into uh, CU Denver um, and got into the uh, sound physics and acoustic engineering program there, which is, like, pretty fucking prestigious, if you ask me. Yeah, that's I super mean, cool. I that's mean, that's a, that's, a that's a big fucking program. Um, so I went there and I went through three years of learning all this this crazy shit um, and during this I was really interested and this is this tells a lot about me as a as a student I was really interested and really engaged in things I liked mm-hmm. and didn't give a fuck about things I didn't yeah so I would be I had an like an a plus in sound physics uh-huh. which is all math I mean like I, I used to be able to you'd, you'd see a, a lightning strike in the distance and there was a formula for guessing or for knowing how many seconds it would take for that sound to get to you so oh, you cool. from from like a transient thing that happened in the distance you know uh sound travels at 343 meters per second squared or 1142 feet per, fe- for, per uh, <laughs> feet per second squared fuck <laughs> um and i would be able to to nail it every time and i would just do that math in my head yeah and then i failed out of algebra one so I it feel was that. yeah, it was like if, if it didn't matter, or I didn't like it, I just didn't try. Yeah. So obviously I got put on academic probation, mm-hmm. and as my college career 
was out of my hands coming to an end, I got a job at Luke Piano Company. Um, and it's sort of weird to look back now after working with Luke Piano Company for, you know, six or seven years and then, you know, a brief stint back at Bad Bath & Beyond and now I'm back in the world of pianos. Right. It's interesting to look back at that and think that at a moment in time, I was trying to figure out how to teach high school band. Yeah. That's super weird to me, and, and it's it's odd that, that that path changed so much, but a lot of what brought me to where I am today was my time in Arizona. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of crazy shit that happened down there. Um, actually, you know what? I'll, I'll tell... You know what? I'll tell the, I'll tell the fucking story, because it was a, a thing that changed my... My direction. Okay. Um, I used to be pretty... I, I mean, I still am pretty easygoing, but mm-hmm. I'm a little bit more uptight now. Yeah. Um, so I used to go on night drives a lot. Um, I've learned since how to sort of deal with my anxiety and my mm-hmm. depression and my bipolar or my borderline personality disorder. I mean, like, everyone's got that, that list of shit that's wrong with them, you know? Yeah. Um, but how I used to do it in the past is I would burn a CD, mm-hmm. I would get in my 1999 Monte Carlo <laughs> and I would leave my apartment at 11 o'clock at night <laughs> and I would drive around in the desert for three hours. You know, yeah. I'd get home at 1 o'clock and have to be at school at 6. Right. Um, but when I was dating this girl, we would do that together. Mm-hmm. So, one night she texts me and I'm just like in my head and I'm just anxious and, and sad and I, you know, I, I'm just on edge. Yeah. And she goes, hey, like, let's let's go for a drive like I'm, I'm done with my homework and I kind of want to get out of my house for a bit because my roommate has a has a, a gentleman guest over and <laughs> they're being quite loud <laughs> and I was like oh get some of that good fucking um, <laughs> so I went and picked her up because she lived about three minutes away and uh, we started driving around uh-huh. and if you know anything about Arizona there's like a bunch of different towns and cities all pretty tightly knit and then kind of near or outside of those cities are big like native american indian reservations right right um so we were driving around and we got lost on an indian reservation of course you know you're you're young and full of hormones so it doesn't take long for shit to take a turn in the, <laughs> in, the <laughs> in the physical sense mm-hmm. um so we decided we were going to pull off in this this dark area near a farm and uh, we were gonna we were gonna bone down. Like, yeah. like that's yeah. what we were gonna have some good old fashioned car sex. I mean, yeah. fucking high school style, just like banging on a car. And about three or four minutes in, the cab of my car starts getting brighter. Uh oh. And I'm like, am I having a religious experience? <laughs> like, is this is this it? Like, is this like am I gonna look around this person, see the face of God, and just like have like just this insane like religious moment orgasm where i become like a devout <laughs> catholic for the rest of no fuck no that's not what it was at all uh it was a gold jeep grand cherokee traveling up the i mean the thing was probably about half a mile long mm-hmm. um and it was at a pretty steep grade um but we were at the very end of it and this fucking gold jeep grand cherokee is just rocketing up it. i mean like like 50 60 miles an hour yeah and we're stopped and uh if you were a smart person at that moment in time, you would have been like, oh, now is the time for me to not be having sex with this person, right? Yeah. Uh, so I go to, like, try to move this person off of me, and she just doesn't. Uh-oh. She does not. Um, so we're, we're, we're doing the thing. The car slams on its brakes and just 
like taps the front of my car. Mm-hmm. Not a full on like thing, but just just a little tiny tap. Yeah. Four guys get out. The driver. There's a guy in the back seat. Two guys in the back seat. One of them has a crowbar. One of them has a baseball bat. And then a guy in the passenger seat comes out, and he's got a long nose or a, a, a long barrel revolver. Mm-hmm. And he comes up and he taps on my window, and I roll my window down like I don't know, maybe like three inches. Uh-huh. Right. Barrel of the gun comes through, and I'm still actively having sex with a person. <laughs> like this is still happening. Yeah. Uh, like she's just like bent down in front of me. And he puts the barrel of the gun to my head. Oh, shit. And he goes, we've had some problems in the last couple of weeks with people robbing this property behind you. Mm-hmm. And we've been looking for the people who are doing it. What the fuck are you doing out here? And on Indian reservations, normal law doesn't apply. Right. Um, which is, like, a big thing to, to keep in mind here. Like, that guy could have shot me, and it would have been fine. Yeah. That would have been perfectly within his right. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I was like, it's kind of fucking obvious what I'm doing here. <laughs> I mean, I'm like inside a naked woman. Like yeah. My pants are at the fucking ground. We're in my in my driver's seat, and I'm like roll all the way back, fucking way back here. Uh-huh. And, you know, passenger seats, le- or uh, driver's seats leaned all the way back, um, or leaned back enough. Yeah. And he goes, I'm going to give you to the count of ten to get the fuck out of here, or I'm going to shoot you in the fucking head. Do you understand me? And I was like, crystal fucking clear, bud. Yeah. I am out of here. So I go to reach around this person to grab my keys. And I turn my car on. And he starts counting. He goes, 10, 9, 8, 7. And the girl leans down into the side of my ear. And she says, wait until 3. Jesus. And, of course, at that moment in time, when you're just horny and hormonal, people could be like, let's fucking and you're like, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Let's do that. Like, I'm inside you. You're letting me do this. Like, you're, you're like, letting me have sex with you, which I totally am appreciative of. So I'll just do whatever the fuck you want me to. Right. Um, so I was like, yeah, okay, three. So he goes six, five, four, fucking three. And he pushes the barrel against the temple of my head a little harder. Uh-huh. So I throw my car in reverse and I peel backwards. He comes directly in front of me, squares up, and gets ready to fire a shot. Uh-huh. I can see him, like, he puts his hand underneath the gun. Uh-huh. It's no longer a one-handed thing. He's he's getting a bead on me. Yeah. You know, he's going to fucking shoot me, and he's going to shoot the woman who I'm having sex with. Yeah. Which is still happening. <laughs> this isn't like, oh, I'm going to put you over here so I can get away from these murderers. It's like, nope, she, like, put her hands behind me and wouldn't get off and was like, doing hip shit this whole time so i'm like trying to figure out what the fuck i'm gonna do to save my own life right um and i was like well shit i can't let him fire off a shot because if he shoots through the windshield he's gonna hit this girl Uh and she's gonna die and then he's gonna kill me right and no one's gonna know where i went yeah Uh, no one's gonna care i mean well i mean they would care but they'll never find me yeah no fucking way they'll torch my car by the side of the road and leave it there yep no one will ever find me so i was like all right well i have two options a I can keep trying to go backwards, but there's a fence back there. Or B, I can run this dude over. Yep. So I put my car in drive, and I slammed on my gas, and he kind of skirted out of the way. I ended up clipping his right leg. Uh-huh. And as I clipped him, he, he fired a round off. And I was like, oh, fuck, I just hit a dude. Like, I wanted to stop to make sure he was okay. Yeah. Like, I was like, cool, we've had our altercation. It's over now. I'm going to get out of my car and see if the dude's all right. Nope. He, the guy with the, the baseball bat, 
comes around the back of the corner or comes around the back of my car and he has the bat above his head and he's about to break out my windshield uh-huh. and I'm assume I'm assuming like try to crawl through the back of my fucking car right. and beat me to death. Yeah. That's what I'm assuming. So he raises the bat up and I'm like shit. All right, here we go. Number 2. Right into reverse, <laughs> slam on the gas. That guy goes down, right? Uh-huh. So by this time, I've got two people behind my car. The guy who has the gun has decided that he's now confident enough that he can stand and use a weapon. Right. So he stands up and he's, you know, like trying to get his footing and he points the gun sort of in the direction of my car and fires and it goes high and left and he hits his own dude with the crowbar in the fucking shoulder. Oh, and this dude like spins and hits the ground and the driver who has nothing just puts his fucking hands up and goes, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. So I slam on my gas. I put my car in drive, slam on the gas and I start going down the wrong way of this this one-way sort of U-shaped thing that went around a farm. It was a big, like, three-acre farm, right? Uh And there was a a road that came down, like, north, and then went east, and then went south. Right. But So it made, like, a U. But it was all one way. You couldn't go the wrong way on the thing because it was only one lane, right? Yeah. So I'm heading the wrong way down this thing, and I get towards the little junction where I'm about to go right, and there's a car there. And I was like, fuck, this is a one-way. And while this is happening, there's still a person on me. Yeah. <laughs> who I'm actively inside, which is just fucking hard for me to think about right now. Um, so I, like, flip a bitch, and I start driving down. And this dude, he's in a, uh, let's see, it was a, uh, no, it was a green, the the Jeep Grand Cherokee was dark green, because I remember it looking black. Uh-huh. Um, and the this car was a gold Toyota Camry. Mm-hmm. And this dude is on my ass. I mean, he's, like, bumping my car every, like, you know, three or four seconds. He's yeah. like, he's hitting me. Um, so he backs up as I turn left and down at the end of the, the road down here, these guys have all gotten in the car and have turned around and they're, they're going for blood now. Oh, I've, yeah. I've fucked with them. They're going to kill me. Yeah. This Camry floors it from behind me and I see him pass through my rear view mirror and he goes up the dirt road and at a full tilt, runs directly into the front of this Jeep Grand Cherokee. Oh, my God. Just And, I mean, like, and I was trying to watch it from behind. Uh-huh. And, I mean, he hit it so hard that the ass end of his car got, like, three or four feet off the ground. Oh, shit. I mean, like, this was this was a big deal. So we get the fuck out of Dodge, right? And we right. end up in this parking lot of a, it was like a Canes or a Church's or something. Of course, it's, like, one in the morning now, so there's no one there. Uh-huh. Um, there's no street lights or anything, and we're we're doing the thing, you know, because <laughs> now, now tensions are high, so now we're doing this for like, oh, we experienced trauma, like, yeah. you know, it's, it's like a whole deal, and a cop shows up, knocks on my window, and I roll down my window, and he goes, what the fuck are you doing, man? <laughs> hey, don't you have a place where you live where you can do this? And I was like, look, uh, we just had this weird thing happen, and, uh, like, tensions got high, and now we're just trying to get rid of some of that tension that, that's, that's present in our lives, and he was like, all right, well, what happened? I was like, well, we were on the reservation. And we were, you know, trying to hook up, and there was this uh, green, dark green Jeep Grand Cherokee and this gold Honda Civic, or uh, uh, no, it was a Toyota Camry, this gold Toyota yeah. Camry. Um, and, you know, we're, we were trying to we're, we were trying to do the thing, and then all this crazy shit happened, and they <laughs> ran into each other at the end of this giant fucking alleyway. Uh-huh. And the guy goes, hold on. I mean, like a full cop, like, like, a, like an enforcer. He goes, do you say green che- uh, Grand Cherokee and a gold Toyota Camry. I was like, yeah. And he goes, fuck. Um, s- 
stop doing this. Stop it. <laughs> I have to go right now. Stop. And he gets on his radio, yells a bunch of code into it, uh-huh. and he gets in his car, and he drives the fuck away. Oh, shit. And I'm like, okay, so we finish up our deal. And the thing that, that changed my perception that made me who I am today is that that was never acknowledged by the other party. Oh, shit. Yeah, she never she never acknowledged it. Didn't even mention it? Mm-mm. So we had lots of classes together, and I was like, hey, man, that was a fucking crazy thing that happened last night. And she would go, what do you mean? What the fuck? What do you mean happened last night? And I realized I tend to try to see the best in folks. Mm-hmm. And I, that at that moment, I realized that there are some folks that they just they're always looking out for number one yep which is hardly what i've ever done i've always been looking out for everybody else i try to make sure that everyone in my life is happy and comfortable right um and i realized that this person would have rather seen me dead holy shit she didn't care i was i was uh, i was a place filler yeah i was somebody who had a hard dick and that she could push around Yep. And that's why when all that shit went down, she knew that I would leave. She mm-hmm. knew I'd fucking leave. And then she blocked me on everything the day afterwards. And um, that that took a lot of time for me to really get over. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, like last year is when I really got over. This oh, happened shit. in 2013. I got over it in 2019. It's like six years of yeah. just like... Um, and the thing that made me realize it is everyone has that uh, that that voice in their head, right? We all have some sort of mm-hmm. internal monologue. That, that is always present, right. you know, that, that sort of maybe not morality voice, but something that always tells us, you know, you're doing a good thing or you're doing a bad thing, right? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, hey, you should get up and do shit or you're a piece of shit or whatever. And I realized that that voice that I was hearing wasn't mine. Oh. It was hers. Oh, shit. So... When I was trying to get over my depression, my anxiety, my anger, because I used to be so angry. Mm-hmm. I mean, even you remember this. I used to yeah. be an angry dude. Yeah. Um, I realized that the reason I was so angry was because the voice in my head wasn't mine. I didn't have control over my own thoughts. Shit. Um, and ever since I realized that, I, I've come to the terms, uh, I've come to these terms of agreement with myself, mm-hmm. where... I can tell, um, and that that disease, that issue that I have, that that benign fasciculation syndrome, that twitch disease that I have, mm-hmm. is as a result of that, because mm. it's it's complex PTSD. Right. Um, and uh, PTSD is a pretty fucking touchy subject. Yeah. Because there's a lot of stigma that goes with it, but but complex PTSD for me occurred when I didn't let myself feel what I needed to feel. Right. I never felt good about it. I never got to terms with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a result, I developed this twitch thing that, like, when you're falling asleep and your leg does that little, like, thing mm-hmm. right before you go to bed, yeah. it's that over my entire body at any random time. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes it's in my biceps, sometimes it's in my pec, sometimes it's, I mean, I've had it in my inner eye, mm-hmm. in my inner ear, my tongue, my throat, um, like both my legs, my arms, my wrists, fingers, everywhere. Right. My inner nose, which is fucking weird. I didn't even know there were muscles back there. <laughs> but I'll just be sitting there and all of a sudden the world starts shaking up and down. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Like, <laughs> am I dying? Is there an earthquake? What the fuck? Um, but that was as a result of that. Yeah. Um, and since I learned that, 
I've kind of gotten it under, under control. Cool. Uh, caffeine and other shit makes it worse, but that was like, if I had to put a pin in the thing that made me who I am today, mm-hmm. it would be that relationship. It would be that that time because I gave up so much of myself mm-hmm. to be happy with someone else, to make someone else happy, and even then they weren't. Right. I was I was a pawn. Yeah. And since I learned that, I've learned that happiness, personal happiness, comes from, at least for me, comes from looking out for number one enough that you can be happy mm-hmm. that you can find joy in life but being kind enough to others that you feel accomplished in having those friendships because i'm of the i'm of the ilk that if you don't have friends you don't have a complete life right i mean like that's why I was really happy when we lived together. Yeah. Because there was some crazy shit that happened <laughs> at that point. I mean, we got everything from, uh, from you know, dogs to, to uh, you know, alcoholics and fucking the buckets on fire. <laughs> <laughs> the fucking bucket. God, that was, a, that's a, that was a great time. It really was. It was a lot of fun. Because you had to... When did, when did that happen? Uh... What living together, or when I had to when you when the bucket was on fire? Oh, that was I don't know the exact date, uh, but I just I remember because I was I was working mornings, right? So I had to be up super early in the morning, and we, uh, you and our mutual friend had one of your friends over, right? Who I have since come to know, right? Um, and I was like, "All right, guys, it's been fun, but." I'm gonna have to, you know, head down to bed because I gotta be up at like five in the morning, you know, to get to work on time. So I go down and I'm like, you know what, fuck, I'm really thirsty. So I come back upstairs, right, to get myself some water. And as I'm getting some water, I'm pouring it out of the sink because we didn't have one of those fancy refrigerators. No, you know? of course. Yeah, yeah. I, would, yeah <laughs> I mean, that house was really nice. It was in a pretty good area of town. Yeah. Uh, but we. That's fucking weird. Huh. Uh, it's like a, it's a ghost. It's a uh, ghost. But, yeah, like, what I loved about that place was how big the kitchen was. Yeah. I will always remember that fucking kitchen and like, hey Sean, I made a frittata. Do you want to try it? Or hey, J- hey Jake, I made forty eight pounds of mac and cheese. Yeah. <laughs> I bought a box of pasta that would feed an honest army. Yeah. Hey, Jake, uh, so I went to Restaurant Depot with uh, one of the cooks at work, and I bought 50 pounds of pasta. I don't know why I did this, <laughs> but we have 10 pounds of mac and cheese that I just made. Would you like to help me eat it? <laughs> I remember I would get back from the gym and be like, well, fuck yeah. yeah I'm just going to eat this until I'm dead. <laughs> and then we would play Doom and shit. And, it's not for you. Not for you. Get out of my asshole. <laughs> that was a... Uh, that, that house had so many good things. That was a... Yeah, like another sort of... I feel like in terms of... Because we both like had discussions about our like our personal growth. But mm-hmm. as our grope... Gro- our grope? Oh my. Nope, that never happened. Uh, our <laughs> growth as like as friends mm-hmm. and as, as adults, yeah. I feel like that experience was, was pivotal to our, uh, our existence, you know, that, I don't know about for you, but that, that house taught me sort of 
a how to handle anger a little better because yeah you know I, the fork incident yeah um, hey I cleaned up all my dishes and there's a fork in the sink you motherfucker there's a fork in the goddamn sink I ask for so little Jake it's a fork bruh <laughs> buddy I remember you came upstairs and I'm sitting there and I'm just like looking at it and I was seething <laughs> like I, I was popping veins in my forehead and Sean comes upstairs from the basement from his room and he goes dude it's a fork <laughs> like just relax <laughs> it's gonna be okay <laughs> it's just a fork and I was like holy fuck he's right it's literally just a fork yeah. and I've been sitting here for 45 minutes just losing my absolute mind <laughs> and I was like I took the fork uh, yeah I took the fork and I put it in the dishwasher and I was like do you want to go have a cigarette and play some Doom he was like <laughs> yeah that sounds nice that was a, that one, was of a- my, one of my favorite stories of living in that house was uh, I came back from Riot Fest Oh, yeah. And I was stoned off my fucking ass. Mm-hmm. And you came home from, I think you were at work or something, or maybe you were you were going, so I don't know, but you come home, you come in from the garage, and you're like, hey, buddy, I'm like, <laughs> hey, man, what's up? What's, what's up, man? And I was like, hey, 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 Jake, hey, <laughs> what? What, man? <laughs> Can... Can you get me some fucking Sonic? I just... Uh, I'm really hungry, and I, I don't think I can drive. I can't move. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, sure, man, I'll go get you Sonic. So you you go to get me Sonic, and I don't remember this happening, because obviously I wouldn't, but right. you've told me that you come home, and I am passed the fuck out on the couch. I have never seen... And I mean this in all seriousness. I have never seen a human being... <laughs> be more asleep <laughs> it wasn't like you know like when you have like a 15 hour day and you come home and you fall asleep in the most uncomfortable position for uh-huh. everybody else but for you it's comfortable yeah you were like so we had two couches we had like a two-person couch and then like a love seat and then a chair because there were four of us so mm-hmm. we wanted to have enough seating for four people and you were in the smaller chair you were in the love seat which is on the left side of everything and you were on your face <laughs> and your body was bent in the center <laughs> and your face was hanging over the edge and your one of your arms was on top of the, the couch and the other was like down on the ground just holding an open beer but backwards <laughs> like your wrist was turned inside and I was like hey buddy I got you Sonic and you open one eye and you're like oh yeah man <laughs> You sat there and ate Sonic for like 10 minutes, and then you were like, oh, oh, bed. <laughs> just the word, just like, like you were trying so hard to say the words, I have to go to bed, uh-huh. but it just came out as, oh, I'm to bed. <laughs> and then you close the door and I hear, <laughs> I'm okay. <laughs> Not yelled, just said, I'm fine. I'm okay. <laughs> and I was like, okay, you going to bed? And you're like, <laughs> I let it sound the next morning, and you were like, "Why did I wake up in bed with a family-sized <laughs> chicken nuggets box from Sonic <laughs> on my face?" <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> Maybe you wanted some fucking night nugs, you know? <laughs> oh God, we ha- we have this buddy. Um, <clears throat> so we went out to Breakfast King once. We were, you know, partying down pretty hard. We went out to Breakfast King, and we were 
uh, we, we had done some, some things, so none of us were very hungry. But we had ordered food and had like three or four bites and then taken the rest home, right? Uh-huh. And this, this buddy of ours had ordered uh, pancakes. And so this was at like three in the afternoon. Um, so he went home and fell asleep. And at like two in the morning, he woke up and was like, oh, fuck yeah, I have pancakes. <laughs> so he started singing Bob Seger's <laughs> Night Moves, but replacing Night Moves with Night Cakes. So he's just sitting there like stuffing pancakes into his face at three in the morning going like, Night Cakes, oh, I don't know, Night Cakes, Night Cakes, which... Which is now a staple of our friendship, you know. That's hilarious. I, I, you know what I really like, regardless of how many friends we have externally, that that we've maintained such a good friendship over the yeah. years. Yeah, it's, me too. It's been it's been both wholesome and weird, but traumatic at times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, trauma bonding has yeah. definitely been a thing. Well, I think for me at least, what solidified our friendship was when my grandma died. Yeah, and. You know, obviously I wasn't prepared for that to happen. Yeah, no one ever is. Yeah, so I was at the hospital, and I was just in, like, I was in, I I have this pair of Colorado shorts uh, and, like, some shitty tank top that I was wearing. Right. And and my beat-up Converse. Mm -hmm. And my dad was like, hey, there's a lot of people coming. I need you to, like, at least put on on a normal shirt on. Right. If you need to run home to grab one, that's fine. But I need you to get a normal shirt. And I was like, okay. So I called you. And it was like fucking 6, 7 in the morning. Right. <clears throat> and I was like, hey, Jake, I'm so sorry to wake you up. And you're like, no, nah, it's good. I was getting up for work anyway. I was like, can you go down to my room and just grab any shirt? I don't care what it is. I just need a shirt. And you're like, you know what? I'll do you one better, man. I'm already on my way out the door. I'll just fucking give you one of the shirts I have in my car. Yep. And you pull up to the hospital and you're like, hey, here's a shirt. If you want to get some food later, I got to run to work. But if you want to get some food a little later in the day, mm-hmm. let me know. Yeah, and you literally gave me the shirt off your back to make sure mm-hmm. that I was going to be all right. Yeah, and like that was, like when I'm talking about like making sure that you're nice to other folks, that's what I mean. Yeah, like if you're looking out for number one all the time, that that like because my work was was thirty minutes away from the house. Mm. And you guys were at Sky... Swedish. Ray. Swedish, right. Yeah, we were right by your job. Yep. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to be down there. I'm, I am I got to do this, man. Yeah. Like, what I try to do personally is I try to go, all right, if I were in this position, what would I need? Yeah. And, you know, like when all the stuff happened with your dad, I was more than happy to be in any capacity the person that you needed to get shit. I remember, like, I went out and bought cigarettes, we got food, we ordered pizza, yeah. we did, we played card games, I mean, like, anything to help, you know? Yeah, that was, like, both of those times really solidified that, like, this is a good friend. Right. It's this not is, just, like, you know, someone that I know through another person, it's, it's a good friend. Right, and f- I think for our friendship, what solidified it for me was when I went up with that, uh, the breakup with the horse girl Mm -hmm. and uh i like texted you guys and was like hey i'm i'm bad i'm doing real bad um and i like need to be with my buddies i need to go out and do some shit and uh you and our mutual friend both 
without any hesitation were like, we're going to meet at this bar in 10 minutes. We'll be there. Yeah. And you guys showed up and mm-hmm. our other mutual friend showed up and it, like everyone was there. And I was like, these guys didn't have to do this. Yeah. They could have been like, shit, nah, it's like 11 o'clock at night and I got to work in the morning. Sorry. Yeah. But y'all came out and that support uh, when it comes down to things that that define us in who we are now mm-hmm. was a pivotal moment for not only our friendship but for but for you know just our general outlook on life yeah that taught me a lot that that like your guys's response to that taught me how to be a better person you know now when folks text me and they're like dude i'm i'm having a bad time i mean even now that i'm i'm married and i've got you know um I won't. I won't out them, but uh, my my wife has quite a few siblings uh-huh. um, now, and uh, even when they're having issues, you know, one of them just graduated from grad school, and mm-hmm. is like, "What the fuck do I do?" Right. I'm like, let's talk about it, man. Yeah. Or you know, now that I'm that I stopped drinking, you know, if I'm having a bad time, I have a good network of people who I can go to. That even if one person can't. I know that someone will. Yeah. Exactly. And I feel like that's really important to have in your life is just a good support network of, of friends. And, you know, it used to be that I would rely a lot on my family. Mm-hmm. But now you guys are my family. Yeah. And that's a huge thing is that now I, I know if I'm having a rough time that I can count on folks to be there. Yeah. Well, thank you. I mean, that's, that's what I tried to do, you know? Like, yeah. Because, like, I know what it's like to to not have anyone there like during that whole Utah thing I and through no fault of their own I don't blame anyone no 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 but like I know what it's like to be in a place where you're like kind of lost yeah and you you don't have people there who can support you exactly and like you know there were some times there where I was I just wanted to reach out to certain people because like it got real dark there for a while for a long time like I I would wake up in the morning and just genuinely consider killing myself yeah. just for it to be over and I was like right. there's no one I can tell about that right and you know, now I'm like I crossed off days on the calendar just because it's like well that's another day I survived yep and that's um, w- once you have those thoughts that's kind of what it becomes yeah and it's like so that's why I try to <clears throat> if any of my friends are like you know hey I'm just not doing I'm, I'm not doing good I try my damnedest to always be there you know mm-hmm. exactly well is there any other? Are there any other things on the docket that you that you want to hit? Because we're we're getting towards the end there. Uh, let's see. I would like to to hit on uh, two other things real quick. Sure. Uh, and that would be let, let's start with the easy one first, which is uh, your like EDM or electronic, however the hell you want to classify yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Because I remember you told me at one point that you had been signed. Right. But I haven't really heard anything since. Sure. So, what happened there, um, so I am signed um, to, like, a... It's, like, an independent company, um, and it's not really, like, a record company. It's, like, a... It's, like, a production company. Um and I'm like one of the artists that's under under their wing. Uh-huh. So what it is is like I'll produce something or I'll, you know, make a song or something or I'll or I'll write an album 
um, and I submit it to them. Okay. Um, and I say, hey, if you guys want to put this on your next big mix track or your next big, you know, compilation album, you can. Um, and then it's it's free for me. And then if they want to, they can put my stuff on there, and then they'll give me whatever royalties of whatever I get paid is or gotcha. whatever whatever my plays are. Um, I know the guy who runs the place personally. He's like a super super cool dude. Um, but I'm just a little outside of the realm of what they normally consider for their stuff. Like, um, it's a lot of hip hop, a lot of, uh, a lot of rap, a lot of, uh, like house EDM. Uh-huh. And, uh, like my stuff, you know, is pretty, pretty fucking weird. Yeah. I mean, like I just did a concept album based on Cthulhu's mythos. Like it's, yeah. it's not like I'm doing, you know crowd-pleasing stuff i do stuff i like to do and honestly i i've never wanted to be kind of like a like a sellout musician like mm-hmm. i'm just gonna write a bunch of house tunes so that i get featured fuck no i'm gonna write what i want to write and if they want to take it then they can yeah um but other than that it's it's like like music production's more of just a just like a hobby mm-hmm. it's like passion projects and shit like that like it's something for me to do right. so you know if i get home at, at you know 5 30 or whatever and my wife gets off at seven then i have an hour and a half to sit down and like you know get started on a track and i just kind of piece them together as time goes on but i don't like sit down and produce for like you know eight to ten hours every day yeah i just it's just whenever i feel like it if i'm particularly inspired but that's sort of the deal with that. Is like, yes, I am signed, um, but it's not a, it's not like a, like a record deal. Gotcha. Um, they're they're gonna try within, I think, about a year mm-hmm. to to make some funds to support that. Um, but who knows? I mean, if it works out, it works out. If it doesn't, it doesn't. I'm not. It's I'm not banking on it. You know, it right. doesn't need to be. Uh, it doesn't need to be like a record deal for me to just do passion projects and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's, that's actually really cool. Yeah. It's and I mean, it's, it's nice because it's organic. It means yeah. I don't have to sit down like, cool, I just got done with my day job and I have to sit down until one o'clock in the morning and bang out four tracks. I get to make stuff that I like to do and make it sound the way I want it to sound. Right, you're not pressured. Right. It's still fun. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think that's the most important part is to keep stuff like that fun right and that's the deal is like i know so many artists who selling out is the wrong word um but you know they like they get this everyone has this dream of being like a signed artist quote unquote Mm -hmm. but a lot of that stuff first off you will never own your own masters i learned this in uh like my sound acoustics and uh, production courses you never own your own masters. Yeah. So, like, you write a song, it's your intellectual property, but guess who owns it? The other guy. Yeah. And they earn X amount of dollars per play, and you earn X amount of dollars per play, and it's it's not fair. Right. Um, like, they'll do these things called 360 deals where it's like, it sounds really good on paper. And we're like, hey, yeah, we'll own your masters, but you get 60% of every play that you get, right? Mm-hmm. Well, what they don't realize is that these people are making three-minute songs, and you only earn, like... What's the number? I think it's like nine cents oh, shit. per minute um, up to a certain amount. And then after that, it's like 12 cents. Mm-hmm. So they think it sounds great. But unless you're you're doing stuff like mm-hmm. Megan Trainer did this um, and, and she she got bought into uh, like a record deal and she bought the best producers, the best writers, the best everything. And she made a number one hit and, re- hit and record. 
um, that's why like uh with that song what is it um all about that bass or whatever uh-huh. that's why that worked out so well is because it's so catchy and it's so poppy but if you're like an avant-garde weird dubstep artist like i am if you're like kind of off to the off in the wings doing crazy garbage noises right you're you're pandering to a much lar- a much smaller audience which means that your turnaround rate's going to be much less so the, the record company doesn't spend any money on you they own your masters which means they can do anything they want with them they can put them in a fire and blow them up for all they fucking care, or yeah. they can sell them to a different company for a bunch of money. Meanwhile, they're getting six cents, and you're getting three. Yeah. So unless you hit a number one hidden record, you don't earn any money from that. I mean, like, my, I have an album up on Spotify, uh-huh. and over the maybe three or four years that it's been up, I've earned, like, maybe 50 bucks. Oh, shit. Yep. And I mean, it. you look at all the, the, I mean, even the stuff that we're using right now, all the equipment that we're using right now, I mean, shit, like, this mic was 50 bucks. Yeah, I mean, shit, know? both of the stands that we're using were... Right. So it's, 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 not a, it's not a feasible, uh, it's not a feasible way to make money unless you have right. the, the smarts to do it. Yeah. And when you have the smarts to do it, when you're producing records that hit number one, most of the time until you get your footing you're not making music that you want to make yeah. you're making music that would be popular yeah so i would rather not sell out and just have it as a hobby mm-hmm. than like oh yeah i'll go ahead and sit down and, mm-hmm. and produce a number one hit and record for you guys so you can make you know a million dollars and i'll make five thousand yeah so that's that's kind of that's kind of what it is and this company is really really cool um the guy's like, yep, you get to still own all your shit. Oh, dope. Um, so anything that you write is yours. It's your intellectual property. Um, and we'll we'll just use whatever we want to use. Just keep submitting stuff, and we'll have our our team. It's like four guys. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, uh, you know, we'll we'll have our, our guy listen to it, and if we find a particular record that we think it would sound good on, yeah. or if we like, like, three or four things or five or six or ten things that you put out, We'll put them on your own record, and then we'll produce it, or like we'll we'll send it out, we'll press it, and it doesn't cost me any money. Right. So that's the deal. That's really cool. Yeah, I like that. Mm-hmm. All right. What what other? What's the last thing we got? So the last thing that I wanted to touch on with you, <coughs> excuse me, is uh, is your whole relationship with with your wife. You know, uh, like how it started, um, where you guys are at right now. Sure. You know, because, and I mean, obviously just what you're comfortable with sharing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that, the the whole way our relationship started was, was really funky. Um, so she had put up a thing on Facebook that was like, hey, I need to grow my, um, my photography portfolio. Mm-hmm. She was trying to get a job in photography or graphic design. Um, so if you want to do like a free headshot session or like a free photo session, hit me up and I'll like take a bunch of pictures of you and edit them and keep them for my portfolio and you can have whatever ones you want. Mm-hmm. Um, so little tiny backstory. Uh, my wife and I actually went to high school together. Gotcha. Um, and like we weren't really friends. Like I knew of her. Right. And she, I think, knew of me. But it wasn't like we were buddies. It wasn't like we knew each other. She definitely wasn't a high school sweetheart. Mm-hmm. I had a little crush on her for like a week. Right. You know, normal shit. Yeah. But 
so we did our little headshot session and we just clicked and we went and got uh, boba in downtown Littleton at that, that little tea cafe off of main street. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, we went and got boba there and we were only going to like, just kind of catch up. But what ended up happening is we ended up closing the fucking store down. So we were there for like three and a half hours. I mean, we were there forever. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of like what they say in Brooklyn nine, nine, like you showed 20 seconds of interest in me and I, and I became obsessed with you forever. So kind of how it worked. Like, she showed like a little bit of interest in me and kind of thought it was funny. And I was like, this is like the coolest person I've ever met. Yeah. Um, and at the time she was like dating another dude and I was in the process of learning how to deal with my anxiety, my depression Mm -hmm. and my barriers. And like, like, like where, where is an acceptable place for me to exist within this friendship? Right. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to be friends. Mm -hmm. Like that's what I'm going to do. I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, try to be the other guy quote-unquote right um so what ended up happening was uh her boyfriend at the time and her ended up breaking up Mm -hmm. um and we got together and started dating um actually not even started dating we like got together and we're like thinking about it you know um, and then one day we were over at Park Meadows Mall, and if you know Park Meadows Mall, next to the big crate and barrel, there's a button that doesn't do anything. And we started talking about, like, what could that button do, right? Yeah. Um, so we started, like, riffing off this just button, right? And right. I was like, what would happen if you just pressed that button? Like, mm-hmm. let's, let's go print out a real-looking sign, like an official-looking <laughs> sign that just says bees with a question mark. <laughs> and... Uh, then that just became this whole thing, and we were driving back to her. I was driving back to her house to drop her off, um, and we were laughing and we were having a good time. And she looks at me and she goes, "Oh fuck it, I love you." Oh, Before shit. we were even dating, and uh, of course we had we had you know kissed and stuff by then, but but nothing nothing too bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was we said that we loved each other before we even started dating. Right. Um, and then, of course, we, we had the, the requisite first time of stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was actually on a Friday the 13th, <laughs> um, which I'm super superstitious about. Um, and then on the 14th, which was actually my mom's birthday, huh. uh, you know, we had spent the whole night, like, partying and doing stuff and blah, blah, blah. And mm-hmm. we had been up till 6 in the morning, you know, yeah. talking and, and, you know, being, being fun. And uh, we stopped at Arapahoe Park to have a cigarette before I dropped her off at her mom's house. And I asked her to be my girlfriend, and she said yes. And this relationship, when you look at it from an outside perspective, is, is a little weird. Mm-hmm. Because we were only dating for three months yeah. before I proposed. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I knew that she was the one pretty early. I mean, like, I, even now, I can't imagine a life without her in it in some capacity. Right. Um, so. How, how did you know? Like, was there a, was there a moment or was it just we in were, general? We were friends first. Um, usually in my life, I'll, or like, up until that moment, I had not really, well, except for, like, the person who I dated before her. Mm-hmm. Um, I would sleep with the person before we became friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and we got to, to 
to marvel at this beautiful full friendship mm-hmm. before we before we held hands before we touched before we did anything mm-hmm. we were best friends um and you know that was a moment of it and i you know this about me that i'm a, like a wiccan pagan person right um and i went and had a reading done by one of the high priests that i'm really good friends with mm-hmm. um and she was like yeah you guys are like cosmically entangled um like you guys have had past lives together i have a birthmark on my back mm-hmm. um that she was like you have a mark somewhere on your back that was back in the in the times of the wild west mm-hmm. where she was being tried for something and you literally took a bullet for her and died oh, shit. um down in new mexico mm-hmm. which when we went down to taos and we were down in uh, there's like a big cemetery outside of town. I went there with my family when I was like, I don't know, maybe 14 or 15. Mm-hmm. I went to this, un- I walked into the cemetery. I walked right up to this unmarked grave. It's just a headstone, but no words or anything on it, totally unmarked. And I was like, that's me. Yeah. Which is, I mean, for a lot of people, they're going to be like, that's fucking stupid. <laughs> but I, I, I knew there was some sort of thing that I was like, I walked right up to it. I yeah. knew exactly what it was. I knew exactly where it was. And it wasn't easy to find. Yeah. Like you wouldn't just it wasn't down the main drag. It was like back behind all these trees near a fence in the back fucking corner um and it was t- completely overgrown. Mm. And I found it and was like there's something in here that feels very familiar. Mm. It feels like how I feel now. Yeah. Uh, like it's the same we're made of the same stuff, you know. Yeah. Um so that was like a thing um but what really did it for me was the fact that I fell held uh fell head over heels in friendship first mm-hmm. before anything romantic happened. Right. Um, and when I, I told my parents, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna propose to this person. And my mom goes, are you sure? <laughs> like, cause it had only been three months and I was like, yeah, man, I'm fucking sure. Yeah. Um, so I kind of brought it up in casual conversation and she was like, we, we both knew, we both knew it was going to happen. It was very yeah. organic. It wasn't like, Oh my God, it's such a surprise. Like we, we fucking knew it was going to happen. Yeah. Um, so we went up to Lair the bear and I remember exactly how I did it. Um, I had ordered a ring mm. and it's, it's like this beautiful marquee cut diamond on a very thin rose gold band. It's fucking beautiful. Mm. Um, and that was her engagement. It was the one that she wanted, right? Yeah. So I'd ordered a ring off of Amazon that showed up that was way too big and bulky. And it was the right thing, but it was the wrong thing. You yeah. know, it was technically correct, but not the right thing. Yeah. So I went and did a bunch of shopping around and I, I went on a bunch of internet sites and went all this through all this shit and I actually ended up finding it on, um, on Etsy, uh-huh. which is, you know, where like little creators go to sell all their shit. Right. Um, so I special ordered this ring from this woman and it came in. And the day that I proposed was we have a, a big family fish fry once a year, mm. uh, like like a low country boil where all the family comes over and we eat big shrimp and shit. And it's wonderful. Um, and I had told her, like, hey, I was planning on doing this today, but the ring hadn't come in. But I kind of want to, like, still show you, mm. like, what my plan was, because it's today's the perfect day. Um, so she was all bummed out and I had the ring in my pocket. Mm hmm. And what I had done is I had made a little book, a little adventure book, like the one from Up. Yeah. And I had hand scrapbooked the whole thing with all of our Polaroids and pictures and all this shit that I'd printed off and glued in there. And it was like, you know, our first date, our one month anniversary, uh, you know, the 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 first 
trip to we took a giant trip to Arizona in the middle of all this where yeah. like we were partying the whole way down there <laughs> like uh, not to tell too much about myself and my crazy party days but I I, I definitely uh, did some illegal things in front of a Utah State trooper who like <laughs> <laughs> like I, I like did this thing and I looked out the side of the window and I just saw these headlights and I was like that's a fucking cop <laughs> I was like oh no if I go to jail in fucking Utah no one will ever find me <laughs> yeah. like like I'm assuming that like Mormon jail is worse than regular jail that's I mean that's that's like horrible for me to say but that's kind of what my assumption was but like we we went down to the Grand Canyon we drove the whole night mm-hmm. um, and then you know showed up there when the sun was rising and you know we were just crazy in love with each other and still are um, but we went up to Lair the Bear mm-hmm. which is you know up towards Evergreen it's about a 45 minute drive from my folks house and I laid down a blanket and I handed her the book and she was flipping through the she's reading everything looking at all the pages and she's getting tears in her eyes mm-hmm. and at the very end uh, everything had like a section you know our first date flip page bunch of pictures mm-hmm. our trip to Arizona flip page bunch of pictures um, at the very end I posted with a bunch of little B stickers mm-hmm. um, our engagement and you flip the page and on the other side it says look up oh shit so she looks up and I'm down on my knee and I got the ring open and immediate tears mm-hmm. and I said you know will will you marry me I said I am so in love with you yeah i am i can't imagine a life without you and of course i'm I'm skipping over a lot of stuff like our birthday parties right uh you know she i'll backtrack a little bit because this is a good one so actually i think you were there for this originally remember when we went to uh bar louie in south Glen and we saw um we saw that guy playing the guitar and he like started on rocket man i was like if this is rocket man i'm gonna decimate this fucking bar right yeah, yeah, yeah. so i told her that story so what she did is she grabbed a bunch of stuff from a uh, like a Goodwill, like a bunch of <clears throat> destroyable objects. She made me a homemade rage room. Oh, nice! And I came outside and she had gotten me McKellen Fifteen, which is now like our thing. Uh-huh. Is a bottle of McKellen Fifteen, two cigars, and she said, "Give me thirty seconds and then come outside." Um, and she had had me pick either a shovel or a pickaxe. Uh-huh. I was like, "I'm gonna grab the pickaxe, dude. Like that's." Yeah, I don't know what's about to happen, but I know I'm going <laughs> to need some something sharp, right? Yeah. Um, so this is at Seventh Circle, off mm. of like Seventh and Federal. Yeah. And uh, so I wait about thirty seconds. I'm drinking my scotch. I go outside, and she hits play on her phone, and it's fucking Rocket Man. <laughs> and she goes, "Well, this is Rocket Man. Guess you better decimate this fucking bar." <laughs> so we just like destroyed a bunch of shit, and you know it was fucking great. And then for her birthday. Um, I took her to a private gallery showing because she's an artist. Mm-hmm. I got us reservations at the uh, nicest, like, gluten-free specific restaurant in town. Right. Um, and as we were leaving, there were, like, people behind us. And this guy goes, dude, just fucking kiss her already. <laughs> I was like, I'm fucking trying. This is when she was, like, still dating another guy. Yeah. So I was, like, trying to be respectful but also, like, trying to do enough. Yeah. Um, so, like, we – and then we went back to my piano shop and I had an old soundboard, uh, and we painted the soundboard and drank whiskey and smoked cigars and cigarettes and listened to music until, like, 3 in the morning. It was fucking incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, so I, I, I had had all those pictures up there and shit. Um, and so we got engaged, and then we moved in together, 
at a, at a little crackhead alley. Yeah, I remember that, that fucking apartment. apartment was so bad off of like twenty five and Evans. Yeah, um, it's the only place I've ever seen a ten person fist fight happen <laughs> organically. Like there were just ten dudes, and some guy was like, "You know what? Fuck this guy," and it just started. <laughs> like there were just like ten friends standing around smoking cigarettes, and then they were just fucking each other up. <laughs> that was the place where like a dude shot so hard in a parking space that he died. Yeah, I remember you that was fucking that. like they had to repaint the entire parking lot because this dude just like he fucking. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you shit so hard that you die, but this guy successfully did that, <laughs> which part of me finds admirable. Really, <laughs> I gotta, I gotta be honest. Like, what a way to go out where you're just like, ah! and then you're just fucking dead. Hey, um, man, it's good enough for Elvis. It's good enough for Elvis. It must be good enough for the rest of us, right? Um, so we. We're living there, and then we decided uh, on our wedding that we were going to go to the Grand Canyon. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, you were there for all of that crazy yeah. shit. We flew into Vegas on a Friday. Uh, everyone else showed up on Saturday. We all went out and did our bachelor bachelorette parties. Um, oh, shit, actually. Did I ever tell you that uh, my room got stuck on a hotel roof like the goddamn hangover when we were trying to leave? Your What? Yeah, so, you know, the people that were in my room. Yeah. We got stuck on a hotel roof like the goddamn hangover. Oh, no, we really? All trying to, that's why, because, uh, you know, when we were all leaving, you we were like, hey, let's all meet up and say goodbye to each other. And we were, like, super late to that meetup. Yeah. That's because, so, in our tower, the, because uh, we were, we... We all stayed at, uh, what was it, Golden Nugget? Yeah, Golden Nugget. And we were in, like, the, we were in the nice one. We were in, like, Gold Tower or something like that. Yeah, y'all were. And we were in the old... West Tower, yep. Yeah, we were in the old Gold Nugget. Um, and the elevators just didn't like their jobs. Fair. I um, mean, if I were an elevator, I probably, I probably <laughs> wouldn't either. Exactly. So, like, half the time they just wouldn't work, and the other half of the time they the doors would be open for long enough for three people to get on. Right. And then they would just snap closed. Jesus. Yeah, so it Murder was terrifying. Vader. So when, when it was time to leave, you know, we had our luggage and shit, and we were going to leave. And right. Uh, fucking, the elevators just were being shitty. There was like 50 people just waiting for the elevator, and we're like, fuck this, we'll take the stairs. Mm-hmm. So we took the stairs, and we went down three flights, and then there was a barricade that said, stairs out of order. So we turned around. <laughs> okay. And we're like, well, let's check the elevators again. Elevators still, there's there are now like probably 150 people waiting for, for Jesus the elevators. Jesus Christ. So we went, all right, never mind. Let's try the other staircase. Right. And when you opened the other staircase, not the door on the staircase or any signage telling you this up front. Right. When you opened it and went down another flight, it said detour from previous staircase this way. Okay. Why the fuck isn't that more advertised? Be more honest. So we, uh, we follow the detour, and we're walking through, like, clearly, like, service corridors and shit oh, like yeah. that. Oh, yeah, yep. And it was like, this is fucking weird. Like, I feel like we're not supposed to be here. Then we fucking go through this weird little tunnel thing with just... It was so disgusting. There are there were more dead locusts and moths and crickets on that Ugh. floor than I, were, than I was aware could exist in one place. <laughs> like, you could barely see the floor. Oh, God. It so you're, like, walking disgusting. and just like... Yeah, it was the oh, most disgusting shit in the world. Fuck that. And we you know, power our way through right? and get to the end of the hallway. And a door says, 
federal crime if opened. So he went, fuck this shit, and turned around. Right. We're not planning on being yep. felons in Las Vegas. And then, because uh, we had like 30 people following us. Right. That were also sick of the fucking elevators. Right. And we're like, everybody turn the fuck around, that's a federal crime. Jesus. So we go back and then, you know, there's no other way to go, because we looked. Right. And we're like, I mean, I guess we just have to risk it. Like, we'll just tell them, hey, your your hotel is built bad. <laughs> right. Hey, I know that you guys spent, like, you know, $4 billion on this shit, but uh, <laughs> it's bad. So we we go, all right, fuck it. We got to try. Whatever. Right. So we open the door just expecting this huge alarm to go off and, like, SWAT to show up. Right. No, there was no alarm or anything. You open the door, and you're just on the fucking roof. What the fuck? And we're just we're, we're looking around like, uh, well, this this ain't right, <laughs> and we're like, there, there's no other place to go. I guess I I don't fucking know. And then one of our mutual friends, uh, he called the hotel and was like, "Hey, so we tried to follow the detour and we ended up on the roof. We're stuck on the roof. How the hell do we go anywhere? Your elevators aren't working in Jesus. the West Tower." And they were like, "Oh yeah, no, you just gotta continue walking on the roof for a little bit. There'll be another staircase. Go down that." The emergency gates are open. Just walk out there. And we're like, why don't you have signs? <laughs> how am I supposed... What am I... Like, uh, how am I supposed to fucking know that there's another case of stairs up here? Like, if I go back the way that I come <laughs> from, I'm fucked. And for my eyes right now where I'm standing, the only option that I have is to run and jump as hard as I can <laughs> and hope that I land in some palm trees. Yeah, exactly. Land on a limo downstairs <laughs> and hopefully, like, I'll throw my bag down first so I have an easy landing. What the fuck, you guys? So we're fucking walking across this roof like a fucking migrant train. Oh, my God. Of people just carrying luggage and backpacks just looking around like... This isn't supposed to happen. Don't be suspicious. And then from the back, you just hear, from from way in the back, it's just, Hey guys, uh, I don't know if, I, I, don't, I don't think we're supposed to be up here. <laughs> and then us in the front are just like, yeah, no shit, dude. Yeah, like, the other 50 people on this train have already realized that this <laughs> is not the place where you want to be. So we just keep walking along this roof, and there are people looking up at the roof just being like, What the fuck is happening? Don't jump. <laughs> and so we finally find the other staircase, and we try the door, and it's goddamn locked. Oh my god. So we just say, Fuck this. We threw our bags over the fucking fence. Right. And someone, we just heard, uh, our mutual friend calls the hotel and they're like, hey, the doors won't open. They're like, oh yeah, you have to like pull in, then push out, then pull in, then turn the knob. And we're like, oh my god. Oh, so good, it's a puzzle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we do all that shit, and we finally walk, and mind you, it's like a million degrees in Vegas. Right, of day. course. I mean, th we, we went in August. Yeah. So it was like, it was like a hundred and... 110, 115 out, and it was like 9 in the morning. Yeah, and like everything on that roof was made of highly conductive metal. Right, so you're just like getting cooked from the bottom and yeah. the top. You're basting. Yeah, yeah. and then when you grab, when we grabbed the because the, I grabbed the door handle and I was like, holy fucking shit, that's hot. Right, so you gotta like wrap shit or, oh my yeah, god. Yeah, so we had to wrap uh, shit around it and then finally, that's why when we finally shut up, we came from a random ass direction. I don't know if you remember. Yeah, I was like, why the fuck are these guys coming from that like yeah. you guys came from like around the far <laughs> side of the golden nugget i yeah. was like you guys were 
in that tower, which is opposite <laughs> of where you can... How the fuck did you get yeah. all the way over there? And, like, we were fucking drenched in sweat. Yep. Just pissed as fucking... You guys were all like, oh my god, let's have stories. And we were just... We're going the fuck <laughs> away our from me- this our place. Our mutual friend is like, we're gonna get on the fucking road, god damn it. It is time for us to fucking leave. <laughs> it is time. And, like... Because I, I drove that whole way from Vegas to Arizona because I felt bad because I didn't drive it all from Colorado to Arizona. Right. So I drove the whole way, and the whole time I'm just still pissed off about the fucking hotel and the roof and just shit. Just pedal to the metal, angry driving. Yeah, and I mean, you already know, I already drive like a goddamn maniac. Yes, you do. That is an understatement. <laughs> you you drive like you drive like a TIE fighter from Star Wars. <laughs> just reckless abandon. I don't give a fuck what I hit. I'm gonna hit something, and it doesn't matter if it's my shit or someone else's. <laughs> but I am going to cause some fucking damage come hell or high water. And so I'm already pissed off, and I'm just fucking booking it down the highways. Yep. Fucking. That, that fucking trip was insane. Oh, like, my God. So, so we were in Vegas for that night. Uh, the guys took me out to <laughs> the world's largest strip club. Yes, um, we did. Where we lost all of our money. Uh, I yep. got, like... I don't, uh, an unspecified number of dances. Yep. Uh, I wasn't really mentally present for most of it. <laughs> I was like there for like an hour. Uh, and then I was doing like, I was totally like fucking, I was totally sober. And I was like, I wanted to have like a good buzz going into this thing. So I like <laughs> started drinking really heavily once we got there. So I was doing like double shots of rum, <laughs> just like straight double shots of rum. Um, and I drank way too much uh and what ended up happening was uh our our our, we we left one of our buddies there right did we leave him there i actually don't know we didn't leave him there but it came close to him not knowing that we were leaving right because he wasn't answering his phone right (laughs) because he was losing his watch with with a a very nice lady Um, (laughs) so we left and there's some wonderful pictures I have them on my phone. Mm-hmm. Of me uh, asleep in a parking lot of the world's largest strip club. I'm just, like, drunk sleeping in the world's largest strip club parking lot. Um, and uh, there's a picture of me trying to stay awake on the Uber home, which I really don't remember. Um, <laughs> I do remember getting up to our room, and, like, everyone was trying to wrangle me because I was just dead weight. Yeah. And I was like, they were trying to wrangle me, and you guys were trying to get me to the right room. <laughs> and we went down one hallway, and it was the wrong room. Yeah. And then we got back to the elevators, and for some reason in the Golden Nugget, the uh, the floors are painted striped, which if you've ever been drunk, you know that like looking at stuff that's hard to look at sober is <laughs> just, you're you're riding it's the impossible. vomit comet. Yeah, you're gonna it's, you're fucked. Yeah. So uh, we get back to the elevators, and we're waiting to. We're waiting to get everything, you know. We're trying to find the right way, and I I feel it coming up. So I, like, drop to my knees, and I grab the ashtray from in front of the elevator, uh-huh. and I fucking yeet that bitch across the hallway. And what I had thought was that, and I realized this after the fact. <laughs> Otherwise, I probably wouldn't have done this. But um, those ashtrays have a little slot in the bottom of them, and normally they're for trash, right? Uh-huh. This one didn't have a trash can in it. So I just threw an ashtray, created a whole fucking mess, 
grabbed the top of an empty trash can that went directly to the floor and threw up in it for like five minutes. Yeah. And at then least. It, yep. And then everyone grabs me, throws me back in my room. Um, <laughs> luckily, uh, somebody stayed behind and was like, you have to lay on your, you guys were like, you have to lay on your side, mm. text, if text us if anything is going wrong, just mm. sleep. And everyone left at about seven and I was in bed asleep at 1030. <laughs> and everyone else stayed out until like three or four. But so that was that thing. And I actually been kind of thankful for it because I had to drive yeah. all the way to the Grand Canyon the next day. And I was fine. We got in and out. Everyone else was just shitty and hung over. And I felt great. So we drove to the Grand Canyon. Which, now that you mention it, imagine that whole story that I told you about being trapped on the roof. Right. While hungover. Oh, fuck that. No, that sounds horrible. <laughs> That's, That's like, why we were so pissed. Get get fucking drunk and stick your head in a microwave. <laughs> fuck that. Anyway, sorry. So we, we drove up to the Grand Canyon. We drove up to Tucson. I got a, a speeding ticket for going 95 <laughs> and a 65. Which is hilarious because I was going 120 the whole way and yep. didn't even see a cop. Yep. Uh, so I got pulled over by a state trooper, and Arizona state troopers are famously very kind. Um, <laughs> uh, so we got up to Tucson. We hung out up there. We had our, our rehearsal dinner. Uh, the day of the wedding was awesome. It really was. Because we just got to hang out um, by the pool. We drank some mimosas. I have some great pictures from that. Yep. There, that was the famous, um, I have a towel over my head, my sunglasses on yep. over the towel. So that you wouldn't see Lessel? Yeah, because so, she, oh, she was coming out. Hold on. you got to go. I said her name. That's okay. I, I mean, it's fine. I said one earlier today. It's It's okay. Okay. Also, it's not like they're going to be able to find her, which is fine. Um, Fair enough. So, yeah, she was coming out to have a cigarette with all the all the other uh, bridesmaids and folks, and all the all the uh, the ladies. Mm. And she texted our our buddy and was like, "Hey, I'm coming out for a cigarette. Make sure Jake doesn't see me." So, in order to not see her, I put a towel over my head and then put my sunglasses on over the towel and Sean took a picture in like portrait mode and it's like it's just art it is it's art it um, is also the give me one dem gay bread moons oh my god that's one of my favorites give me one dem gay bre so we were having a conversation about what croissants yes and for some reason our, our friend group likes to take regular things and just drag them into the dirt <laughs> so we took croissants and uh, that morphed over the span of about two hours into give me one damn gay bread moons <laughs> so i took a picture of him of jake yep uh in black and white portrait mode deep in thought and put in cursive writing on the side of it give me one damn gay bread moons and, and that it is it, it should be hung up in the smithsonian yes it should <laughs> um we can't actually tell the story of it because it's not our story to tell but but condom gate was a thing Oh yeah. Yep, condom gate was a thing. Um and uh you know ever since then things have been things have been solid, man. Uh we we have had our our arguments and our tips, but we both talk to each other like adults. So Good. it works out really well. I mean, I'm I'm starting to get more financially adept uh, at saving money uh for the first time in like 5 or 6 years. My I have a savings account Dope. that has money in it, oh which is God. super fucking cool for me. Um, and that, like, honestly catches us up. I mean, she's yeah. she's working, um, she's selling motorcycles, and she got number four in the country. Nice. Um, 
and that's the number one uh, dealership for that kind of motorcycle in the world. Oh wow! I so didn't know that. in theory, she's number four in the world on, yeah. the, on the fucking planet. Um, I'm back working on pianos, which I absolutely love. Yeah, I'm really happy for you about that. Yeah, and I'm dude, I'm super happy that you've got a job that you like now too. Because oh, yeah. I know for a while there are things where things were wild, but I mean, it's good that we're all. We're, I mean, that's that's where we are. We're yeah. caught up, man. Yeah. We're caught up. There we go. That's that's us. That's us. So next, if not next week, because I don't know how we're doing on scheduling, but yeah. if not, we'll tell more shit about ourselves next week. But yep. possibly next week or at least the week after, we're looking at having some guests. Yep. So, yeah. And if you'd like to be a guest, if yes. you hear this and you'd like to be a guest, uh, send us an email. Uh, or uh, you know you can reach out to us on on Facebook or you know if, if you have either one of our cell phone numbers if you're a buddy of ours and you're listening you've got yeah. s- you've got a story to tell uh, the email is uh, mixed nuts podcast official at gmail.com. exactly so if you've got a story you want to tell feel free to reach out um, they probably won't be quite as long because we're <laughs> we're chatty but we'll let you tell your story we're uh, and we'll we'll get on some guests for either next week or the week after. Exactly. And uh, we'll see you guys in a week or so. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you on the flip. Adios. Adios.